When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 726. This episode of uh, Also, fun, comfortable tour. My pal April Richardson and I are out on the road uh, through December, I believe. Go to funcomfortabletour.com. Coming up is uh, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Buffalo, Toronto, Boise, Salt Lake City, Los Angeles, and more. Can't remember anymore off the top of my head. That's why I would go to funcomfortabletour.com. Also, from the Nerdist Community Corkboard. Nerdist consumer Paul Smith writes in, The Deli Counter of Justice is a short story anthology about Carl Cook, who for decades fought crime in the city of New Caliburn as the superhero Peacemaker before hanging up the cape and opening a deli, as one does. In nine short stories and poems, you'll explore a world in and around Cook's deli and the colorful characters who walk through its doors. A former sidekick discovers just how hard life is without a hero. A psychic rat goes on the warpath for another slice of rye. And a D-list villain plots his revenge. These are some of the adventures going on right in front of the deli counter. Carl may change the world even more than he did in costume. Only now, he does it one cold cut at a time. Available in print and digital on Amazon.com. That's the deli counter of justice from the Nerdist Community Corkboard, which you can send your event or thing into at events at Nerdist.com. Uh, or you can comment in the, the thread on this episode of the podcast, or I believe in the Nerdist subreddit, there's a there's a pinned corkboard in there. You can drop your shit in there, too, if, if you so desire. This episode is Elijah Wood, uh, who's rad. Elijah was on the Nerdist TV show a few years back, and we did stuff with him at Comic-Con this year, and uh, he's fucking awesome. And also a hardcore horror fanatic. Like, real, real deal horror fanatic. And uh, he is promoting the movie Cooties, which is hilarious and awesome and scary. It is in theaters and on demand September 18th. Go to cootiesmovie.com for more info. It's number 726 with Elijah Wood. Now entering Nerdist.com. About redecorating this room so it doesn't feel like a weird office interview. No, but I mean like like having someone come in and like oh. paint make it, it like and Nerdist it podcast, it, making it cool, giving put like we cool got the furniture. throw rug thing, the blanket 
You got a Goonies. A Goonies. Yeah, there's a Goonies action figure. It's, I, that's my favorite lawyer action figure. Yes, because it's a cool series. Like the, these folks that do this. Yeah. What's there's a other guy though that does like uh, Night of the Creep stuff. Um, yes. What's it called? He did. He does all the kind of just like weird, obscure horror movie stuff. God, it sucks. He sent me something once and. But he's friends with like Mike Mitchell, who's known yes. in Austin and stuff, and he's the Mondo guys. He's based out of Dallas. Yes. Yeah, he's um, a Texas guy. And in fact, the folks at Mondo were trying to get him to move to Austin so that they could do everything under the Mondo banner, which would have been great. That would have been great. He makes every single figure by hand. Yeah. But he didn't want to part with his process. Really? Isn't that weird? So it's like he's just kind of offered like a pretty golden opportunity. Yeah. And Justin Ishmael, who was the creative director at the time, was like, "Dude, your prices are really intense too." His prices are crazy. Yeah, they're real nuts. And he only makes so many. We got to find out. Look up Night of the... A retro brand. Retro brand. That's it. Yes, which is on Instagram. It, too, he's, uh, he just makes He does these, really good work, Yeah, too. so stuff like that the looks like that Goonies really nice. thing. And then it'll be like Night of the Creeps, like, you know... Well, I believe that slug. was Josh McDermott brought that in, uh, who's, who plays Eugene on Walking Dead. And his lawyer, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Josh's lawyer, was Chunk. And he's an entertainer. So, he is a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. That's yeah. So and crazy. so he so weird. and and he, apparently he's super cool that he was chunk and he loves talking about it and he's Dude. really great about it. I just wish he was. And apparently he's like thin now. Oh, is he? I think so. So yeah, now chunk like is more of an guy. ironic moniker, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wish he was just like would have to do like a case in court and he says in my closing argument and then he just does the truffle shuffle and he's like case dismissed. You <laughs> yeah, win no matter what it is. <laughs> yeah, whatever it happens. Wait, I'm pretty sure that guy murdered somebody. But yeah. did you see that it was really yeah. funny? And then, <laughs> it was pretty. <laughs> And then the, and the judge like tears up the uh, tears up the case like at the end of Goonies. Never will we. And then he throws it in the air and everyone celebrates. It's a perfect sketch. Yeah. What do you feel about the fact that they're going to make another one? There's like what? major uh, talk of this. Uh, Christopher Columbus, I guess, is writing it. Oh. Um, and I guess it's going to be. There's two versions that this could be. It could be a sequel, which has been off talked about. So they're all older and they go back to the town or maybe it's okay. their kids or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But then he said something. He was on Huffington Post Live recently. He said something about like reimagining it, which makes me very nervous. I don't know. Yeah. I could see it going either way in, with both of those scenarios. It like, could. Both work. Yeah. Both Do we want work. to see a reimagining? That movie's so great. It's so perfect and it's so specific to that time mm-hmm. and then the kids you know kids in an 80s movie swearing that was very totally like, you know, you, you, no one does that anymore you know, yeah they, but they would probably reimagine it my guess is that they would reimagine it because it doesn't work in today's time though That's i know fine. it doesn't but if but but i think probably from the studio's perspective they would say well who's the audience going to be if we reimagine it there's a whole new group of kids who would watch it if if we do a sequel where they're adults and go back then it's probably just going to be for the people who are our age group Smart. who watched The That's Goonies true. the yeah. first time. That's this very guy. true. Johnny Hollywood. Look at this guy. I'm not saying it's the right decision. I'm just saying that that's... That's that has to be the thought process. You, you yeah. know that that's, that's how studios usually think. But I don't, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You've worked with more studios than I have. That's probably the way they think. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. It's all about demographics and if they can make their money back and what's going to be the biggest swath of people that they can, you know. I mean, yeah. after those Tolkien books tanked that you guys right? did, I mean, it yeah. just what a... should have been more skateboarding. <laughs> hey, listen, it was it was a it was a reasonable risk. Yeah, I don't know, just like to just be so more legolas sliding down the uh yeah. he skateboards. Does he? Yeah, there's one moment in the Battle of Helm's Deep where he, he slides, slides down, down. Oh, there. But, then, but it was he, like, earned. Drops it. It was earned, though, I feel. It wasn't like, you know, it's not like he was going down the hill and then did like a pop shove it onto a rail. That's true. Yeah. 
I it's think, still a little, little, little silly. But compared to like from what I read, like was offered up for ideas. Right. Yeah. So. So you're no saying right. we should redo Return of the King with all hoverboards. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All and right. a dubstep soundtrack for crying out loud. Yeah. Can we kind of get that? Oh, can we dude. get that going. All we need is two hundred million dollars. Skr- Skrillex. <laughs> just Skrillex. <laughs> you had a heart. Just, it sounded so just, old. Just, just Skrillex. Skr- get that Skrillex on the phone. Skrillex. Yeah. I did First sound name a little Skrill, old. Last name yeah. X. Uh, but he, you, do you must know him? You DJ? He's a DJ. You guys? I've never met him. Really? Yeah, but he d- he does a different thing. I play like old records, and he DJs with dubstep. Like, oh, uh, he makes different... he makes stuff. Yeah, he makes yeah. his own music, Can and you... it's all digital. Like, I play with vinyl. And oh, do you do you carry around like a crate of records? Basically, yeah, I've got like a UDG bag that I travel with. That's on wheels, and it holds like sixty LPs. Oh, like that. wow! Jeez. Yeah. And I get like a little 45 box that I bring around. Those are always nice. Yeah, yeah. Those are stressful though. 45 boxes yeah. or 45? 45s. Just stressful because with those. Be, yeah, they're shorter songs. You gotta, you gotta know you gotta your be shit. Ready. You gotta be ready. You gotta know what's next. But I love playing with 45s. Yeah. They, they're mastered hotter for the radio. Mm-hmm. Do you know this? Yeah. No. So, yeah. So they, they kind of hit a little harder because they, in order to play them on the radio, they had to master them hot so they would come through the signal properly. Oh. Otherwise, there would be a slight loss. It wouldn't be as strong. Yeah. So they just sound so, yeah. really, really yeah. good. Yeah. 45s sound better than 33. Because 33 is like 78s. 78s, you can't get better. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, I love that glass sound. Uh, <laughs> no, it's because uh, 45s, it's like it's uh, because it's like it's it's faster and it has like a less grooves or something like that. I think so, so you know, yeah. The fidelity is actually better on a 45. Yes, exactly. And but you get more time if you slow it down. I'm just about to put a. I'm about, I'm I'm looking right now, currently trying to find an old timey record player that I can get refurbished because there's companies, there's a couple in LA that will take old cabinets, and yeah. refurbish them, make them Bluetooth compatible too. Oh, interesting. They do yeah. do that. Are you talking about like a, a record console? Like, like a credenza of, like, style? Yeah, credenza yeah, style? Yeah, like a credenza yeah, yeah. style. Those things are great. Yeah, those really are great. cool. Because yeah. uh, it's, you know, I was resistant to it for the longest time, but there's just, there's just something so dreamy about like just the crackle when you drop the needle on a oh, record. It's, the and it's, it's so... just the process of like, you know, you, you listen more intently and yes. then you also have to, you have to stop whatever you're doing to flip the record when it's yep. done. You know, it's just, it's a bit more interactive listening when it mm-hmm. comes to, to <laughs> you pay attention yeah. a little bit more. You do. Yeah. It's not as superfluous. It's not background. You yeah, kind of exactly. have to focus on it. Yeah. We used to buy albums because of the record art, and now we just <laughs> buy singles. Did you buy records when you were a kid? Sure. Yeah. yeah mo- uh, like, I mean, every – my parents started buying me comedy albums when I was really young. Oh, wow. And so I had I had every comedy – I was I bought comedy records when wow. I was a kid. So yeah. Steve Martin and Richard Pryor and, like, all, all of them were all on vinyl. Yep. And, um, yeah, and, it, and so – I, I wasn't as much a music listener on vinyl as I was a, a comedy mm-hmm. person. And then, you know, just old, like, Fire Th- Sign Theater stuff. Yeah. And you could get Monty Python records and just all. Totally. It all. Mm-hmm. So, it, to, to me, that was a lot of my... And Weird Al. Actually, I think Weird Al I bought on cassette. I think in 3D yeah, I, was, I had on cassette tape. Yeah, but Stan Freeberg. Stan Frank Freeberg. Jones. Yeah. Um, or uh, um, who else? Who else? What about you? What did you listen to when you were growing up? When I was a kid? Yeah. Um, First CD I ever had, or first tape, was the Best of the Monkeys. <laughs> oh, nice! nice. Yeah. When I was like seven, six or seven. Um, but I, I grew up listening to my my brother's seven years older than me, so I, I was like raised on Prince 
and The Cure and The Smiths. Oh, wow. A um, lot of English bands. Depeche Mode was huge. So I kind of was raised with that stuff. And then I would start to discover my own interest in music. And that was around like 14, 13, 14. That's when it happened. Started to listen to a lot of stuff from England, like during that kind of acid jazz phase where a lot of things were improperly labeled acid jazz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like the buzzword. Yeah. Um, oh, my so, God. I totally forgot about the term oh, yeah. acid jazz. Oh, yeah. Like, so Portishead was in like certain circles. It was called acid jazz. Of course, it was trip hop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there was like, you know, Maloko. Do you remember Maloko? I remember that name. I remember Morchiba. them. And, yeah. Us Morchiba. Three. Us yeah. Three. Do you remember Us, us three? three? Yeah. But, Wait, uh, what was uh, Us Three had? Uh, what was the song? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey. There you got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, but Portishead, when I was in college, Portishead was basically a sex record. If you put on dummy, <laughs> they're, they're not a, totally. dummy. Yeah, if you yeah. put on dummy, that, that means a, that a, sex was it was yeah. it was sex adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was that was going to happen because that it was a very a uh, sexy record, yeah. and it was very unlike. It, literally, that album was so mind blowingly different from everything else, mm-hmm. and then. I don't know what happened to Portishead after that. I don't know what was. I don't know what the behind the music was on Portishead. Well, they made they made Dummy, and then two years later they did Portishead. Portishead. Yeah. Then after that they did the Live at Roseland release. Yeah. And then it was ten years. So the last album official of new songs was 1997, and then they waited ten years, and as 2007 that third came out. Jeez. I mean, I guess. And I saw them at Coachella in support of Third, and it's still one of the most insane things I've ever seen. They're still great. I mean, it's. I, I often wondered was it was it just because that the dummy was so of that moment and and the sound was so specific that it was that it would be difficult I think for people to go out and buy two of that album like mm-hmm. if they made another one yeah what, like what do they do if they they want to probably try something different but if they do that then they alienate the audience that mm-hmm. likes dummy but if they don't then... yeah because they were kind of their own genre just the way they were I mean they sounded like some other stuff but they were so specific like that was those people's one record that sounded like that right so they would only water themselves down I guess if they kept on kept doing the same thing yeah, yeah. I so I think know. their whole thing was like they would they would record their own drum samples like a lot of the stuff is yeah. not necessarily samples but it sounds like it so they would record drums and then feed it through something and sample themselves, I think. Which yeah. gives it this very, like, there's texture to that record. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a it's good a one. dusty, I've never seen them live. Yeah. I've never oh, seen man. them live. Everybody oh, sampled man. them, too, right? There's, uh, there's so many Portishead remixes and yeah. so much. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I just, uh, on Apple Music the other day, I heard, uh, like, a Tricky song that sampled Portishead. Okay. And I was just like, oh, yeah, these are two Remember things. Tricky? I wasn't... Wow. tricky was huge for a while. It really was. Didn't he date Madonna? I, I thought know. he dated Bjork. Was it Bjork? Maybe that was Bjork. They did date. But uh, she, she also dated Goldie. Do you remember Goldie? Goldie was a, um, another English-based producer, but it was mainly drum and bass. Oh, I don't remember her. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Who has been? Let me pull out my, my tree of Bjork relationships. Family tree. My family tree of Bjork relationships. Yeah. Uh, there was I, actually a release that she put out called Family Tree. No, that's why I made that joke. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to sit on it and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Jonah, throw it out. You know, Jonah will sneak up on you with them jokes. Yeah, I just don't like the Most joke. of the time, you don't know that they're there. No, but, we don't have to talk about Joe hates it when you point out the jokes. That was really clever, the way that you tied in the album. Yeah, no, no, let's just keep going. The, we were, uh, yeah, you were on your way out, so it's just Let's kind of, talk about where it... No. I'm sorry, Elijah. This well, is really Where I get my ideas. Good question, Chris. I think... <laughs> How are, you uh, did you DJ at uh, you DJ at I know you DJ at Comic Con. I did. 
But now, oh, you didn't DJ our party. You were going to do some. What did you? Whose party were you? DJing? Mashable. You were at Mashable. Yeah. Yes. That was the nerdiest nerd party. It was so much fun. Like halfway through the party, I brought a bunch of my friend Zach and I brought a bunch of nerd records. Like I, there's a guy that's putting out bootleg Nintendo soundtracks. So like, Shit. Perf, sound perfect, but all on vinyl. Yeah. Because a lot of that stuff's not ever been issued. Like Nintendo no. doesn't license their stuff. Nintendo's never released the soundtracks. Um, so I played like. Legend of Zelda. It's good stuff. For a group of people. People came dressed up. There was like Mario and and family walked in. That's at one fantastic. Point. <laughs> we're, we're playing these records and then like boxes of pizza. <laughs> walk in. And someone hands me a slice of pizza over the... I was like, this is... Let's do this forever. <laughs> this is so great. Was it... Did you get people dancing with it? Were yeah. People dancing? Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So we played like a mix of what we normally do, which is kind of like disco and danceable music yeah. from the 70s and 80s. And then... He threw in like the Ewok celebration song at the end of Yep Nub. And that thing on vinyl, there's a rap. What? And it is in like Ewok language. What? I think it's I've honestly, heard that. guys, it is the greatest thing ever. Kitty. Kitty to the internet. Extended remix. That was a rap. that was a time though. There was a time like uh, early mm-hmm. mid eighties where every soundtrack had to have a rap on it mm-hmm. as well. Dragnet rap was uh, one of my favorites. To enforce the laws. Ewok celebration. Oh no, that's the that's the Miko or that is the Yubim song. I think does that have the rap on it? I don't think if it's a forty five, it, it'll be the short. It'll be the short version. Um, let me see because the I rap know I, is pretty phenomenal. Because um, I know I have on here. Oh, and we ended with uh, Neutron Dance. Uh, <laughs> wait, from isn't that Beverly from, Hills Cop? Ah. Is it Beverly Hills Cop. Yep. For some reason, we thought it was Back to the Future, but you're nope. Right. Neutron no. Dance is Beverly Hills Cop. That's the song that's playing when he's being uh, when he's whipping around on the so back right. of the truck oh, yeah. at the beginning of the film. It's a good song. Oh, it's so Very good. Um, where is? I know I have this. Uh, How long have you guys been doing this podcast? Five and a half years. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, a while. Five and a half big ones. Do you do it week? <laughs> is it weekly? It, we put out three a week. Okay. So we tend to record five or six a week to keep a... ahead of, yeah. you know, so we're not like, oh, shit, we run out, yeah. you know, <laughs> which I was always a big fear for the first few years. You know, there was sort of this. Uh, then it became an obsession. There was this sort of threshold of like, one day we're just going to not have one. Yeah. And that has not happened yet. Yeah. So. Um, and if it did, fuck them. Whoa! And where, for like, where been? and for know. like vacations, you'll like bank a bunch, yeah, bank yeah, a yeah. bunch, yeah. And then uh, that's really cool. And then we burn through them on vacation. And then we come back. It's like we got to scramble again. Yeah, we got to collect those acorns. Luckily, get, it's get like to that office with nothing on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that barren wasteland, <laughs> that depressing office, like from Joe versus the volcano. Office. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Oh, folks, if only you could see where we're sitting. It's a mat. Yeah, <laughs> it's so. There's a little space heater in the corner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We. Tom really Cruise got... loved that space heater. Did he? Yeah. Did you guys have Tom Cruise on? We yeah, did. he sat right there. What was that like? He it was, was, he was. He loves movies. Great. He was great. He's he was great. Awesome. He was so nice. His enthusiasm is on another human level. Like I. Oh yeah. There's no. He, I mean, he he operates higher than humans. I think he was amazing. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, just no. something like. No, I think it, there's like a terrestrial. Yeah, I mean there is a, there is a there is like a meta human. It's wild quality. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that literally, and I, I believe this is true. He if he can't sleep at night, he'll drive to the airport and fly a plane. 
so that he can like get that whatever that is his energy out. Doesn't seem like a good thing to do around bedtime. Stop at a plan. It's just amazing. And yeah, he's like nice, he gets he's up. Also the nicest guy on the planet. He's so yeah, nice. he's he's real nice. He's really nice. He's so nice. Yeah, yeah, excitable too, and just a lot of like like clapping and pointing and yes, yes. yeah, just yeah. like you're like yo, you you gave us everything we wanted. It's so great. Yeah. We had him on. Um, we had him on the. Uh, I, I moderated a panel with him a few years back. Oh, and, cool. And so I just asked him at the end of the panel. Um, because I felt a connection, and I just uh, I did something I don't normally do, which is I was like, "Hey, we do this podcast, and we won't murder you." And he was like, "I would love to come on," and he fucking came on. Yeah, um, it was great. We just had Ian McKellen on a couple weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because he did Mark Maron right after. Yes. And I listened to Mark Maron. He was talking about having done the Nerdist, or or and then you went on to listen to that one as well. (laughs) How great is he, though? Isn't he? He was great. He was uh, he was a little worn down by the press schedule. Okay. Doesn't doesn't seem to be a fan of, uh, of this is for Sherlock, right? The Sherlock, <laughs> yeah, it was for Sherlock. Yeah, the Sherlock Holmes, film. Mr. Holmes, Mr. Holmes didn't seem to be a fan of having to do a bunch of of press all at once. Makes sense. Um, but it, it uh, is kind of the work. It is a lot. Yeah. Of, it is a lot of work. You know? um, do you mind it? Do you P- mind press? that stuff? Yeah. No, I don't mind it. I think it can. It, I like doing stuff like this. Yeah. Um, where it's a little bit more relaxed and casual, and but no, I don't mind it. It's a it's a part of it. Well, your press is. A I bit also different think if now, there's right? something that if I if I love if I genuinely love the project that's coming out, I want to be a I want to be a part of supporting it. You only really genuinely do stuff like, that you love now, though, right? I'm sorry. You only kind of like the stuff that I see you in or putting out like is just stuff that you genuinely seem to like. It, like it doesn't seem like. I haven't seen you in somewhere where you're like, oh, that's a money gig for right. old Elijah. I, I try not to do that. Yeah. yeah. I try to do things that I'm interested in. Yeah. I mean, like you have, like, just the stuff you've been putting out, like It'd open windows. It'd be kind windows of miserable if you worked on stuff that you didn't care about. Yeah. Most people do, though, because I think there's I think you're right. mostly everybody. There's sort of a survival thing, or there I is. think they feel like I have to do this mm-hmm. so that I have, you know, I can I, continue. Yeah. I just feel like I'd rather do something else. Like, yeah. if you know what I mean? If I can't do, if I can't work on things that I'm genuinely passionate about and in love with, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather do something else. Yeah. Like, it's not worth it. No, no. Cause you it's know? like, and then you feel like you're, you know, I, I always feel that guilt when every time I've had a job where it's like, it's, it's a good job in every intense, you know, like it's like, it's, it's something that someone else would like more than me. Right. And then I start feeling guilty. I was like, they're the person that should have this job. Right. Here I am just fucking miserable every day and just <laughs> yeah. phoning it in. It should be somebody else, <laughs> you know, sitting in his chair across from Chris. I just like when you're miserable. Well, that's, what? that's weird. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? That's weird. Cause you were just saying that, uh, I love you. No, you <laughs> should. Uh... No, no. But just other jobs I've had where it's just like, you know, it's like, you just, you feel bad. You feel guilty. You feel yeah. miserable. And it's just pointless. Oh, well, it is totally, and especially when you're on a movie. I would imagine where you spend a lot of time in a very short period of time with people, and you. I feel like you really better like what you're doing. Yes, because you're just in people's business all the time. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever? Well, no. You can't. I guess you probably couldn't answer that. I, I just. I just always wonder. I have yet to work on something where there's been like a real horror story where Same. it's like. Where someone's just like they wouldn't come out of their trailer and they told everyone to eat a, all the dicks in the world and they wouldn't like I haven't I haven't encountered that yet. I've I've encountered, <laughs> but but extremely minimally, honestly. Um, I've been really lucky for having done this for twenty seven, twenty eight years. Like I really have had I could count my the number of bad eggs or bad experiences on one hand easily. Wow. Like and I've heard so many stories from other people about their horror stories and i just haven't 
had that same experience. Now, hmm. you've been acting since you were a small boy. What? How did you not grow up insane? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it was... Uh, my mo- I give my mother all the credit, like having a strong foundation, a sense of normalcy outside the context of what I was doing as an actor. You know, I had humility drilled into me. I was never able to define myself by what I was doing. You know, it was always first about what kind of person I was. So all of these sort of fundamental things were instilled in me at a very young age to where when I was, you know, becoming my own person and, my, and, and in, into adulthood – those were all a part of my foundation at that stage, so I think that's why I didn't. God, you're it. so lucky. That's so great. I totally. But I think it always comes down to that. I think the people who have a little bit of perspective as a result of a, a solid home life do well. Um, you know, what's, I go ahead, go ahead. I, I think that's it. I, I'm curious. Then, what's the worst? Do you have any memories of the worst thing that you've seen when you were a little kid and you went at? I'm sure your mom had brought you to auditions. Mm-hmm. And then can you think of, like, the worst thing that you saw, like, an, a, another, like, a kid and their mom, like, you're just, strip, you do the lines and you're... I can't think of a specific thing, but I saw a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, stage parents. Ugh. That it's clear that they were more interested in it than their yeah. kids were, which is just heinous. Yes. You know, and putting that much pressure on their kids to be successful and the kids aren't as passionate about it. It's really more their parents thing. Yeah, I saw a lot of that. It's a bummer. I mean, it's not surprising why people get super fucked up or, mm-hmm. you know, just into drugs or yeah. do a bunch of crazy stuff just to feel something. Mm-hmm. And it, it, <laughs> I think it almost – some of the things that I've seen in the business when I was younger, you see people with the kids. It almost feels like a form of abuse where you, you sort of – someone should step in and be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't make your kid perform yeah. if this is how it's going to be. Yeah. But are there uh, – uh, I mean, I've heard of cases of films where people have ended up calling child protective ser- services to come in oh. and like interject because they saw that this kid was not being treated properly. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't see any of that, but I've yeah. heard of that happening for sure. What about sure. like this, the, the kids you came up with, like you know, they're around your same age? Did you see some of them kind of stay with like you and kind of grounded, or and did you see others just kind of fly off the handle? I didn't stay in contact with a lot of them. Mm. Most of them seemed to grow up and to be normal human beings. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I, I found that a lot of the people that I worked closely with, they all kind of were were had good parents, were relatively normal. Um, that Sean Astin kid's a real troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I mean, the, the, I, I the nicest the, guy. Oh, he's mm. the best. I know his brother, Mac. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just they're they're just uh, I don't know, just nice. Like they're hey, really nice people. Nice people, <laughs> which is not, is good considering that you spent a lifetime in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, together. I yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you have any concept that you would be working on that for probably nearly a decade? No. No. I mean, I think, you know, we knew it was going to be 16 months of principal photography. We're going to shoot all three at the same time. We didn't even know, and I don't even know if they did. I think some of this stuff was figured out along the way because the, the notion of coming back for pickups was sort of a surprise. Like, that wasn't a pre-built-in plan. Oh, wow. Which is interesting thinking about that. Because it's such a huge movie. It, and it was also a major component to the the process. Like, they would always give themselves six months of looking at an edit and then determining what was working on what wasn't, which is a luxury that never happens. And they would write additional scenes and we'd go back to work for like two months. Wow. And keep working on that particular film. And we did that for each film. We went back every single year. Fuck. 
So I, that we did not know. We knew that we were going to go to New Zealand. We'd be there for the better part of 16 months, year and a half, um, and that that would be our experience. But, you know, it became something far bigger than that. Hmm. And then with The Hobbit, like, that was a complete surprise. I mean, I think I always knew that that was an inevitability. As far as any involvement for my character, obviously, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I mean, it was so... And for, you know, McKellen to come back, like, yeah. I'm sure he didn't imagine that happening, you know. It was, no. There were a lot of people who returned. Oh, wow. Which is wild. It really, that, when the first one came out, it it that was one of those things where you're like, how are they going to pull this off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. There's no way they're going to... And then you yeah. saw it and you were like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was so, it changed, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. And it was... I think one of those films, you know, like there were just there were a couple that hit in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s that really sort of solidified fantasy and sci-fi and superhero movies as sort of the way. Because before that, it wasn't really these were not Mm-mm. mainstream genres, Mm-mm. really. No, and there were so many failures along the way, 80s and 90s. Yeah, you know? partially because I think they were just in a hurry to try to make stuff and they just mm-hmm. and they also just did not have the technology to I make had a the lot effects, to do with it yeah totally look good. when you're talking about sci-fi and fantasy yeah. you're, you're, these are generally effect heavy genres and you just can't but this is why horror is so fun because it can look shitty and that's kind of oak that's kind of okay and totally unexpected there's something charming about it yeah yeah when did you fall in love with the with or because when you did our tv show when we they were doing for bbc mm-hmm. um i didn't I didn't really know that much about you, and you were you were really like, oh, I really love horror, and it really is. <laughs> oh, that's right, because the trailer for the Evil Dead remake had just come out. I think we were all talking yes. about that. Yes, and we were all like, that movie turned think? out great. Yes, it really did. I it don't really like good. remakes really, but that movie's awesome. Yeah, and I cannot wait for Ash versus the Dude, Evil I Dead. I can't fucking wait. I watched that trailer like <laughs> it looks five, so good. Five fucking they times. They totally nailed it. They, they nailed did. the tone. Everything. Bruce looks so great. Dude. Like it, everything about it, it seems like the right progression in terms of where they could take that story. Exactly. I, I, it just makes me so happy because more often than not, they fuck that shit up. Yeah, yeah. It seems it just looks perfect. It looks perfect because it's one of those things where it's like they still have that same spirit inside of them, but they have just decades of movie making ex- like experience yep. behind them to just. Yep. Nail- That's what I loved about uh, Drag Me to Hell because mm-hmm. it was like him trying like doing a throwback for himself, but just with so much confidence and talent and totally. knowing how to do it. It was just fucking... I cannot wait for that fucking show. Oh, I can't wait either. And it looks like the first time that genuine horror will be ple- present on TV. I think that horror is not really... There's a lot of genre shows on TV. And even The Walking Dead, you could say that's a horror show, but it kind of isn't. The Walking Dead is a, a, a show a about people. It's yeah. a drama. Set against a backdrop of death. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a horror show. That's a good point. We'll be right American, back with Talking Dead. Amer- <laughs> But American American horror story has horror tropes, but it's also got com- it's like a lot of it's melodrama. Yeah, no, there's no straight. So Ash vs. Yeah. Evil Dead is going to be funny, but that looks like a genuine horror. Yeah, yeah, like so I'm like really excited. True Blood American Horror Story are more like soap operas with a little bit of a, a horror filter. Yeah. But them. is that because with horror, it's you know, it's all about that tension and re- release, uh, and you, it's like, can you keep that up through an entire series as opposed to just a film? So well, good that's question. why they have to make it about. I think that's why they have to make it about people because at a, at a right. certain point whatever sort of supernatural right. force is coming basically is just sort of like it's just like they might as well be bears you yeah, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. so then then it's then to for that long for them to carry out that many seasons you have to give a shit about the characters or you That's just right. wouldn't you just wouldn't tune in whereas in a horror movie it's you can watch it sort of like 
a hunter where all the humans are prey and whatever is happening, you're just watching them get picked off, but you can't really watch that for an entire series. No, that's yeah. true. Or you wouldn't keep tuning in. But I, I love. Didn't the- they do? Rose- aren't they doing Rosemary's Baby? Or they did Rosemary's Baby for TV? Oh, that for sounds TV? really familiar. I, no, w- yeah. Did it already come out? Because I, I oh, even I don't feel know. like I saw. Katie, to the internet. To the internet. Put this in the queue with the Ewok rap. God damn it. Ew. Um, yeah, I feel like I saw that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I heard about that. I thought it was some a, sort of remake. Is it a mini series? Uh, That's what it is. That doesn't need to happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that film so much. So good. What have, what have you done to his eyes? He has his father's eyes. <laughs> Satan is his father. Oh, so good. Spell it out for I us. I watched The Exorcist again the other night. Uh, I hadn't seen it in a while. Fuck, that movie's awesome. Yeah. And the sequels have some stuff to them that's really Exorcist enjoyable. Exorcist 3 is great. Exorcist 3 has some fucking crazy shit in it. It is super scary, that yeah. film. Yeah. It's, you know, they're... That is a good sequel. Yeah. But not like you can't really... It's like hard to compare it to the original, yeah. but they're just good horror movies. It's just like they... Like Halloween Brad Dourif is in Exorcist 3. Really? Oh, yeah, he plays, so pa- he plays the patient. Oh, shit. Dude, it's terrifying. So, so or that shot videos. down the hallway with the fucking nurse climbing on the Oh, the ceiling. climbing oh. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Damn. yes, yes. So good. We're, Jonah and I were just, t- I was just talking about the Duplass brothers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and this idea that if you make something for VOD, like if you make something for like a limited release or VOD, like that movie Creep was, is an hour and 17 minutes. Like, because, is it really? Yeah, because yeah. I guess they just sort of figured, like, well, it doesn't need to be any longer than that. This mm-hmm. is the perfect length for this. Mm-hmm. So I feel like... I kind of love that, actually. I do, too, yeah. because... It doesn't it, let it be what it needs to be. In that. You're not, it's an EP. It's an EP. Because you're not... Yeah, you're <laughs> not forcing... You're basically just telling... You're using the exact amount of time that you need to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And it, you don't have to... Well, it should be at least an hour and a half, or the theaters don't We feel like you're padding it out it. for some arbitrary reason. Yeah. 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 But as you, as I haven't seen Creep yet. How is it? It's fun. It's I fun. Really, yeah, I need, I need to see that. It's good. It's you know has it's as far as, it's their style completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know because I thought they nailed it pretty hard with Baghead, which I think was a pretty good horror comedy. I haven't seen yeah. Baghead either. Baghead is a it's a legit scary and funny movie, but in a very awesome. Duplass way. You know, mm-hmm. very uh, you know, understated. And Creep is very much the same, where it's just kind of you know it's handheld, it's found footage style. Right. Uh, there are parts later on in the movie where you're like, why would the camera be on? <laughs> if he was it's so always, scared, that's always the thing found with footage. found footage. Yeah, yeah. It Wouldn't really you be uh, running? But that's what I loved about uh, um, Bobcat's um, Willow Creek is that he justified it because it was a guy trying to get Bigfoot on camera. Right. So every time he heard something, he would turn the camera on. Right. And uh, I that's thought, smart. Yeah. And so and it wasn't edited. All the edits of the movie are done in camera. I think there just needs to be that's one awesome. where, where yeah. a character, where a character at the beginning is like. <laughs> I'm going to keep the camera all, all the time because I'm hoping to be a found footage movie. Like, he just yeah, addresses yeah. the fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right away. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. I think they do. I think they. Did you see the, did you see the trailer for Human Centipede 3? No. Human Centipede 3 basically. It's in a prison, right? It's in a prison. So and I, and they, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that the idea behind it is this, this crazy warden. They're, they they are specifically referencing the other two human yeah. centipede movies. Or like, this is a great idea. Like it's that self referential. So then they centipede the yeah. Because human centipede two, it's about a security guard that obsesses over the first movie and gets the idea really? from the first movie. So oh, it's a geez. total meta. That's like it's new like nightmare. The most heinous. New uh, nightmare is great. New nightmare is great. New nightmare is great. Yeah. 
I love that film. I love that. It's very smart, and it's yeah. pre-Scream. It was like the first time a it movie first commented Wes on itself. Had his, like Wes Craven's New Nightmare, yep. and then Scream was right after that. Yeah, oh, great. Scream! So that the first time you saw Scream, you're like, "What a great idea!" Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude, I saw that at Universal City Walk, man. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Shit. So pumped. That was and then so good. Nine screams. That was later. such an exciting era because era because it sort of felt like horror was back again in a really mm-hmm. significant way. I think it birthed a lot of terrible films. So many <laughs> terrible like, films. Like it, I know what you did last summer is not good. No, it's, <laughs> it's not, not good. It's but not people always were like, film. "Scream!" I know what you did last summer. I was like, "No, don't, don't, yeah, yeah, don't do that." Have but it was. It felt like for a second there was this revitalization, and it was smart. Like it wanted to be smart. Yeah. Um, it was such an exciting time. It was so cool. Was, it, it fizzled really fast. Really fast. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, well, because that's a that's a that's such the trouble when something becomes successful. Everyone wants to remake that exact same thing. So yeah. it's like plugging in a fucking formula until it's dead, which is such scream, a though, But that's such a, a limited resources referring to yourself. It's true. Like, yeah, you can movie, only do that so many times. So many times. Yeah. true. Did you ever see Evil Laugh? Either no. Evil Laugh. Yeah, Evil Laugh, early 80s uh, slasher uh, pick, like during that last like you know boom mm-hmm. of slasher movies. But it is essentially Scream. There's uh, there, it's like there's these characters in a house and they're kind of getting picked off. They're not sure who it is. It turns out to be one of them. Wow. But there's also a character that knows all about horror movies and is reading Fangoria magazine going, these are the tropes of what's going on right now. Oh, Wait. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Evil laugh. Ama- it's I'm, I'm going to write this. Yeah. Evil I, I used to, yeah, Evil Laugh. I used, I, still, I used to have the VHS. That's I think I gave it to Schraub. Like late, late 80s? Like yeah, it must have been like, kind of... I'm, I'm thinking 87. Katie! <laughs> Evil. God damn sure. it! Pretty sure. But you never know with those like VHS horror movies. It's like they change names. 1986. I was one year off. Get out. <laughs> but Chris, you're just, done here. Just one year. You're done. You've got to understand. That's, that, I didn't, that wasn't the cover on mine. But it, mine was a. But what are the bad. odds of another movie called Evil Laugh from the mid '80s? That's true. It's probably it's probably the only one. Wow! Well, I am so excited. Is it good? I don't know. I don't remember it. I remember just being so blown away that Friday it was. the Thirteenth meets The Big Chill. <laughs> that's on the VHS box. <laughs> so what is that? Friday the Thirteenth of the Motown yeah, soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. What a mashup. Yeah, that's oh, fucked. Oh my god. That's yeah, pretty... I remember being. I remember enjoying it, but it was just one of those things where when all the uh, video stores started converting to DVD, mm-hmm. you know what they couldn't sell, they would just throw in their garbage cans. Yeah, so me and my the friends were dumpster diving and getting all these old movies that they couldn't sell. And Evil Laugh, I remember being one of them. Dude, awesome. Yeah, and also I had a copy of a. Uh, a Brother's Justice, which was the original theatrical title of uh, Gleaming the Cube. Really? Yeah, yeah. It came out with two different titles. So that's a skateboard movie, right? Yes. Never seen Gleaming the Cube. You've never seen Gleaming this the is Cube? This on the podcast tomorrow. This literally that's came right. up earlier today. Somebody else referenced this movie. Really? Yeah. That's, that's very strange, weird. right? That is really weird. Are we in the I, Matrix? We're in I, the Matrix. I bring it up all the time, though. I bring, you know, up that, I bring up Gleaming the Cube, Rad, and North Shore. Those are the, the Never three... seen Rad or North Shore either. What the fuck? And oh, North Shore's man. a surfing film. North Shore's a surfing film. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's near and dear to my heart because I'm from Hawaii. and so it's Shit, like, really? Yeah. So it's like, you know, ever, the you were way, born and raised in Hawaii? Born and raised in Hawaii. Whoa, yeah, then moved out here. like? Uh, you know. It's I such a novelty for people that don't live in Hawaii. Like, that must have been amazing. I but of course, like, if you grow up there, it's like the most. Getting eaten up by a lot of Samoan kids. Yeah, if you're me. Yeah. But, like, it's hard to say because, like, I don't know any other context of what it was like to of grow up. Like, when I hear someone who grew up like on Manhattan, I'm like, on oh, in the city? Where did you go to feel sand? And like, well, we'd catch a train. A train? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even like kids that grew up in LA, 
It just I, I'm confused by. But most of the kids I knew that grew up in L.A. that are still here all grew up in the South Bay, like a Torrance. Right, Lomita and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know anyone that grew up in the Hollywood area. That did you grow up in LA? No. Well, I did. I, the Valley. I lived in the Valley. Oh. So born in Iowa, moved here when I was eight, and then lived in like Toluca Lake, Sherman Oaks, Valley Village, like that sure. whole area for that, a while. Yeah. Very central for auditions. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> lived in the lived in the Oakwood apartments. The Oakwood no apartments. way, you really? In the Oakwoods. You yes. had to live in the Oakwoods. Everybody, yeah. everybody lives in the Oakwoods. Fuck. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Jennifer Love Hewitt was living there at the time. Uh, I want to say Seth Green was oh, around sure a lot. Sure, he must. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I dated a girl in the nineties when I who who's lived in the Oakwoods. Like yeah. I stayed there a lot. I feel like I kind of lived there for a brief period of time. Uh, Peter my Tensi brother used to my brother used to work at the convenience store because you know they have their own like yes. on-site convenience store. Wu Tang stayed there too. I Stop, remember. really? Yeah, I think Nirvana lived there while they were doing Nevermind. Re- oh, that makes sense because it's just down the freeway. Steven yeah. Tyler stayed there for a while because well, he was creepy. he was a neighbor of one of the of this girl that so I was dating. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and they did do a documentary about it, didn't they? I don't know if they did a documentary. They did it like there were. I think Hulu did a show called The Oaks or something like that. Oh, really? No, I think there was a documentary. Oh, was there a documentary? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember Neil Mahoney was like way into that show. I need to see the documentary because I always, for years, I was like, someone's got to do a documentary about this place. Yeah. The amount of people who came through it. That's it. Wouldn't it be weird if you watch it and you it was all about you and you had no idea? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! When the fuck did this? What the hell? Yeah, just all these weird shots of just you playing in the Oakwoods. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that it's a self-contained community. Mm-hmm. It's right on Barham, so it's very central to everything. Mm-hmm. You got your Warner Brothers right there. You got your NBC not your far Universal. away. Right over the hill, you're in Hollywood yeah. oh, if you need bright to. Lights. It's yeah. bright, it's bright, bright lights. lights. <laughs> bright lights, big city. Just right over that hill. Right over that hill. Dreams are made. See, you can see the lights going. Mm, yeah. Boy. You can see all those dreams. Yeah. Vine. Ivar. Hey, you think there's... <laughs> Cosmo. You think there's, oh, think, the think there's room in that sky for one more star? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Mm. Uh, did you have one of those four-panel headshots when you were a kid? I don't know if I had a four-panel. No, I don't think I did. Uh, maybe you Where missed, you do maybe like different expressions. Yeah. yeah, it's like, like you range. with a baseball. The range. I got a baseball bat. Now I have a book. I could play a nerdy kid. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Shut up. No, scientist. no, it's okay if you did. Fuck off. But did you? Eat a dick. Makes me think you did. Well, maybe you should do me four thinks. panels of you eating a dick. Maybe you should find it and put it on the website. Ooh, that would be pretty That'd be great. pretty neat, wouldn't it? Pretty great. Oh, so I'll you, probably lose interest right when I walk out. Are you from here? Did you grow up in Los Angeles? No, no, no. I, I grew up in uh, mainly Tennessee and then oh, shit. lived in... Uh, Where in Tennessee? Memphis. No Memphis shit. Good. I've yep. never been to Memphis. It's a, it's a good town. I, I think... Nashville's probably a little bit more. Uh, I mean, it's having a real moment right now to yeah. Nashville. It feels like a lot of people are moving to Nashville. It's a yeah. great, it's the new Austin. It's it, a great. It is. It is. I yeah. think it was actually the old Austin, and then Austin came along. Yeah, and then Nashville back. came back. Austin got too expensive. Everyone's going back. <laughs> everyone's going it's back. Kind of what's happening? They're just going to yeah. keep pinging back and forth. Yeah, traffic's too bad in Nashville. How's it doing in Austin? It's died down. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you know, we, I was just I was performing in. Um, I was in Orlando and Tampa over the weekend in Orlando. Oh, what a... It's such a... <laughs> Bright lights, big city. Bright lights, big city, man. Dim, dim lights, small city. You know, the, the, the Orlando is... Uh... Well, the thing about Orlando, it's a little unfortunate because Orlando is basically a tourist spot. Like, it is yeah. a city built around Universal Studios and Disney World. Like, and there are yeah. nine, and like, then, like, nine amusement parks. on, you know... It's, like around in Disneyland and Anaheim. It's the perimeter. Yeah. It's all just covered with other stuff to lure you in because you're there for that reason. Exactly. 
It's sort of not Orlando's it's like, fault. It's like yeah. Kid Vegas. Yeah. But the bummer, the bummer thing about Kid it is that Vegas. because, first of all, it's inland, so it's fucking hot and humid. And then uh, every, the traffic is terrible because everyone's lost. And no one knows you, the parking structures. Parking is a pain to figure out. Oh, I'm supposed to park here for this. So everyone's constantly figuring out where to go. Mm. So no one's driving fast at all because they're lost. Yeah, and it's just basically a big traffic snarl around a bunch of uh, like t- like tourist traps. It's sure. awful. There's so many. But it's like, were you there doing comedy? Yeah, I was doing stand up in, uh, in Orlando. Do you still do stand up? Oh yeah, dude, that's awesome. I've like f- yeah, like 50 dates this year total. Oosh. I did stand up for the first time. I've only done it once. What? When? Where? Oh, wait, and that's short, right? Yeah, so a friend of mine, um, David Schlussel, wrote a short based on an actual stand-up experience he had. So years and years ago, and I I always loved hearing this story, and then he finally wrote it as a short, and he's like, would you play the role? Um, But the story is that he did a set and um, proposed to his girlfriend at the time in front of, like, he did a little bit of the set and then brought his girlfriend up and was like, this is a special occasion, and, like, proposed to her, and she refused him. <gasps> oh! But the whole thing was a setup. Like, it was, like, Kaufman style. Oh, okay. Like, it wasn't real. So she, but the audience didn't know that. They thought it was real. So it was like, it took the air out of the room. And then his <laughs> challenge then was to get them back to laughing. <laughs> yeah. And he got them back. Yeah. So he wrote this thing, and I... I, I was I, I was so in love with the story that I really wanted to play the part, but I realized very quickly, like, oh fuck, I I need to have this experience. Like, I yeah. can't. It dawned on me, but I kept putting it off because it was terrifying. Yeah. I'd never done anything like that in my life, and I honestly don't think that there's anything more scary than that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, as a I, I, obviously you're comfortable on stage, so it, you live up there. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially that first time, unlike um, a play where you're playing a character or a speech where you've written it, comedy, you're standing by yourself in front of a mic, in front of a group of people, and your task is to make them laugh. Like, that is a very vulnerable, naked place to be. It's intense. I'm sure you have a different relationship, of course. Well, I've been doing it for a long time, but, but, but but for you, you know, it's also probably really interesting because... People already know who you are, right? And so when you get on stage, there are expectations. And if you get, if you're lucky enough that the people in the audience are, are already rooting for you, mm-hmm. then it's great. But they could also be defensive and be like, "Elijah Wood, what's he doing up there?" Right. And yeah. then get a little and get defensive, right? And like then he doesn't belong there. the second you have the second you say something that doesn't, which happens, it's just comedy. It happens. Then I'll be like, Gah! and they get yeah. they get really mm. defensive. Mm. I would ima- I would imagine. Yeah, so what happened um, is I ultimately agreed to do it, and then I, I, again, I kept putting it off. And then it, it, we had like set a date to shoot the oh, short, shit. so I was like, shit, we got we to gotta do this. And so I was like, fine. And David booked, uh, I think it was at the Improv, he, he booked like a slot for me, five <laughs> minutes. And so he was like, great, well, the, and so the day of, I went to his house five to six hours prior to the time that I was supposed to do this five-minute set. So I'm like... Really internally petrified at this point because <laughs> it's like an inevitability. I can't make yeah, it go away. Can't stop it. I have to do it. Yeah, it's like this train that's slowly <laughs> making its way. Um, and so I went to his house and and I think he expected because there's a whole comedy set written into the short. He just expected that I would do the jokes written in the. But I didn't want to do that because I thought, well, I'm going to be so concerned with memorizing somebody else's jokes. I 
if I forget something, I don't have anything to fall back on. Yeah, you can't riff around in that place because it's I don't know it well enough. Space. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, I think I need to write this from my perspective and make it come out of my own mind. So at least if if I fail or fall, I can kind of like riff because yeah. it's my weird mind. And so we rewrote a five minute set together, and then I went and did it that night, and it was incredible. Like the feeling was incredible. Um, but. Yeah, I've never experienced anything like What'd it. What'd you talk about? Oh, it was weird. It, it was really weird. Uh, I started the set by saying, I really have to pee. Um, <laughs> and that immediately got a laugh, which was great. And so I, I kind of managed to settle into myself, which was extraordinary. Because I, I think partly when you're nervous, you just want to like riff through stuff yeah, you so the year's over. Plow, yeah. But I, I settled um, and took my time. And it was about like... It was so strange uh, talking about like holding holding my pee because it, it's like there's no better release than when you've like held it in for a long time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I think I talked about like the notion of going on a date with a girl and like the first few dates you, you can't fart around them. So like you've held this fart in for it. <laughs> it was about it was like a playing on the, the double of that. And then I can't really remember. I don't know. And then at the end of the set, you're like, I'm going to go pee now. But it was yeah. really funny because after people were like, that was really good. That's some weird shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you wrote that? I was like, yeah. yeah. That was weird. Do you think you'll ever do it again? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But you, you know, know what was incredible about it, though, is that's the beautiful thing about life. When you, when you put yourself into a scenario that is totally outside your comfort zone, you, you push the bounds of what you think you thought prior that you were capable of doing. So after doing it, I didn't have this burning desire to do stand-up. I don't know that that's innate for me. Um, but what it did do is it made me realize I was capable. And that was incredible. Sure. Like, to be walking around the next day being like, fuck, I can, I I can get in front of these group of people and I can do that. That's yeah. a really crazy thing. You should then, in case, since you've done it once already, uh, the show I do with my friends uh, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon – uh, we're doing another show at Fantastic Fest this year. Oh, we shit. did one last year, and we're doing one again. It's basically our way of just getting free Fantastic Fest passes. Dude, that's awesome. It's like, yeah, we're just we're like, whatever you guys want us to do, we'll do it. And they're like, we'll do a show. We're like, guest passes. Awesome. And so we did it last year, and it was the fucking best. What is it? What's the what's the context of your show? It's just a stand up show. Oh, it is. I okay. didn't feel like doing stand up though last year when we did it, so I did a bit with uh, Pat Healy. Oh, cool. Uh, who I've known for years, but it was Pat's like, basically, awesome. yeah, it was basically. So I was like, Pat Healy is my acting coach, which he he is. Yeah. And so I did this whole thing where Pat comes and he's like, I want you to try and blend together your uh, your stand up persona with your acting persona. So I've written these scenes for us to do, and all they're doing is making him look like amazing actor. And Amazing, then, and then like uh, like all my scene, all my lines are just like, "Here's your check." Or, and then like, <laughs> I'm like, "This isn't working." He's like, "You have to commit." Here, we'll do this, and then like he just starts. To, all, all these scenes are just building up to me saying a racist thing, and it was it, it was fucking great. And Pat killed it, but that it was is, a lot of fun. That is awesome. Yeah, we did it in the uh, the bar side. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the highball. Yes, yeah, the highball. That's, That's it. awesome. Yeah, and we're going back this year, and I cannot. Are you? Were you gonna? Work. Are you gonna go? Are oh you? yeah, yeah. It's, it's my favorite. I, if I can't, if I have to miss it, it's like. The biggest tragedy because it's my favorite week of the year. It's the fucking best festival. Yep, it's so fucking great. I mean, as far as like film everything festivals. about it. I mean, the fact that it all exists in under one roof too. So you're yeah. you're at one place for eight days, 
And there's no separation between filmmakers, actors, producers, the people yeah. who worked on the movies, and the attendees. So you're literally all sharing the same communal space. Yeah, there's like fans next to Edgar Wright, next to yeah. Leonard Maltin, but like no, but no one's bugging each other. Nope. Everyone's just like watching movies. It's really extraordinary. Yeah, I, I fucking I, I the love special it so events much. are really fun. They're yeah. totally crazy. There's a lot of drinking. Yes, a lot of drinking. A lot of karaoke, karaoke. and these amazing and incredible rooms. films too. Yeah, like last year was uh, uh, Force Majeure. Oh God, that, what a film! Have yeah. you seen that? No, that's one of the ones on the. It's on the queue. We yes. bought it, and we haven't watched Force it. Force Majeure is incredible. Yeah, that's a so pitch perfect movie. Because yeah. I just, I just, every time we start to watch it, I, I feel like, oh, I don't know if I'm in the mood to, 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 for an uncomfortable bum out. Yeah, oh, you it doesn't get laughs it doesn't, out of it though. Yeah, you do, yeah. and it ultimately doesn't leave you feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, okay. the the end result of the film, I think, you you, uh, you get left in a good spot. Yeah. Okay, that's good. It's not a bum out. Okay, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's but good. It is tense. It's real tense, and it's also watching it with like you know your partner. It can be a bit, it could be a bit of a weird thing. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, it's just uh, it's all just that insidious internal conflict. Yeah, and, like, would you would you run away? Choices you'd make and. Ugh. Let's yeah. not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just not talk about it. Yeah. Let's just watch yeah. this and not talk about it. But that's, also, that's the thing. The movie even shows you the conversation you would have after the movie, mm-hmm. within the movie. It that's does. what's so brilliant about it. Totally like they does. have these, another couple there that are having the same conversations all the couples are having afterwards. It's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. You know, because uh, I would imagine, though, that do, do, do people get kind of handsy with you, though? Because I would think. You're so much a part of um, who, who you know who people are in terms of what they associate with, just because of the stuff that you've done. Mm-hmm. Don't people ever get overexcited and sort of possessive and grabby and come here, let's take a break? Because you're so nice and approachable that is that does that ever play? Does that ever work against you? I think maybe, yeah, <laughs> and a sense of yeah, maybe it does. Because I think I definitely don't put out an energy that. Is trying to obstruct people, right? You know? And I think people do take advantage of that. And then sometimes, yeah, it can be like a little space invady, a little intense. Uh, you know, there's a sort of sometimes people there's a sense of entitlement, like they feel like they have a part of you, and that they, right. you should. You know, I've had that where people have actually like gotten annoyed at me for not giving them the kind of experience that oh, they shit. wanted. Or, those, <laughs> yeah. I mean, those those people. Welcome are, to the Elijah yeah. Wood experience. I'll be yeah. your host, Elijah Wood. <laughs> but that's the thing Bill Murray says is like you know being famous as a 24 hour day job that you're on call all the time. So it's like you know someone you're just trying to go to the store and someone's like hey and you're like hey and yeah you I had that happen recently. I was in Austin and I was um I was walking into a restaurant and this woman was like hey. Like that. And I was like, hey. And she, and I think she may have asked for a photo or something, but I was just like, I just kind of kept going. Didn't really think it was rude. I said hello yeah. and then went inside. And she came in the restaurant and was like, that was really fucking rude. Whoa. I'm going to tell people, like, you're not very nice. Oh, yeah. no. I was like, wait, I, I owe yeah. you something? What, like, what, in this, what in this exchange? Fucking bummer. Isn't it? Yeah. I was, it sucks. I was, I was, I was, she posted it on Twitter. No, no way. I, mean, I don't give a shit. I know. I know. I'm a, a nice guy, so I don't care. But. Yeah, I did. I was when I was farming in Tampa. I was at dinner, and we were near <laughs> so the venue. Ridiculous. And when I walked in, this guy waved to me. He was like, "Hey, points!" And I was like, "Points!" And uh, and then I sat <laughs> down. And I sat down. And my brother and his wife showed up. And I I love my brother, and I only get to see him once a year. And we had an hour before the show just to hang out, and that was it. Oh shit! And so because uh, he came, he came to the show, but you know we had to leave right after because we were flying out at 
6 a.m. the next morning. And so we were literally like in a conversation about our dad who passed away like a year and a half ago. Oh, and just sort of catching up. The guy came up and he was like, hey, man, can I get a picture? And my energy was sort of like, yes, but can we do it quickly? Because I never get to see my brother. And it, I think it super bummed the guy out. Oh. And so he was like, okay. So we took the picture. And I felt so bad that oh. I uh, – I, I wrote the guy a note, and I was just like, hey, I'm really sorry. I never get to catch up Aww. with my brother. And I, and I bought their dinner. No, and I Jesus said, Christ. <laughs> so bad. Because I never – Save a little of yourself. I never block people from that stuff. Yeah. But I, yeah, was so, I was so much – it was the first time that's ever really happened where I was – we were talking about our dad. I hadn't seen my brother in a year, and a guy just sort of came up with that energy like, hey, can I get a yeah, picture? Yeah. And I was like, we're, can I just – can we do this fat? You know? And I, yeah. I felt yeah. like such a dick. But and you weren't being a dick. No, you, you weren't. weren't no, I know, I you know, know but the, I still, you know, the relationship still... with your brother, and that's an important yeah, moment. And exactly. You're, and you're right. And you probably you sounded like you handled it really well. Yeah. Gotta, but like I, what he said is just like it's like you know you're not a dick, so you know you don't have to go walk away from that situation being like I was a dick. But I, I still I felt bad in that interaction. As from you should have with that I, one. That one for sure. <laughs> but his is totally totally different. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt bad because I, I started second guessing myself. I yeah. Like, Wait, did I not handle that appropriately? Was I? Yeah. Should I have like stopped? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, don't know. I, I, don't I, think I suppose so. it's, but it's good to think that way. At least if you're thinking that and you're feeling a little guilty, it's because you care and you don't want to be that person. Who yeah. have you run after at Comic Con? Have you chased anyone down and be like, I just want to say hi? No one at Comic Con, or just in general. Um, Terry Gilliam. Oh fuck! We were, but we were at a film festival together. It was in at Sidious, and I rarely ask people for photos. I just don't. It's not that important to me, and I, yeah. I don't get that excited. But he was one of these people that like I love his movies. Getting a chance to meet him in person was so truly exciting, and he is a really lovely guy. Um, so I asked him for a photo. What did he say? He totally like amenable to it. Like, Fuck him. Yeah. He's he's American. He's American, he but is. I think he's got a little bit of a. Doesn't he have a twinge? Like a little lilt, just like a from lilt. hanging he's out. He's got a little bit of a lilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He he blew my mind because you know he's in his seventies, right? And that is a guy who has taken so many punches from the industry. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's had some great successes, but some really bad failures, um, both creatively and, and in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. and, and, but he's a guy that always takes, takes risks. And you would think that after that much time that there would be a little bitterness, not as much enthusiasm, because how many punches can you take? Yeah. And man, it was like talking to a brand new director. His enthusiasm Fuck. had not waned. He was just about to start another movie, and he couldn't. You know, he was super excited about it. That's great to hear. He had the vitality and the enthusiasm of a young filmmaker, That's and so it was great. totally so inspiring. Yeah, totally inspiring. And this is a guy that just has not been treated very well. No, he's just, and it's still hard for him to get movies financed. Yeah. But he never compromises, and and he doesn't seem to care. Yeah, like fuck it, that didn't work. I'm going on to the next thing, and I'll. Like yeah. the the last film that he did, zero theorem, zero, zero so theorem, that, yeah. So zero theorem, and he, t I think he told us that night. He, I guess he was he was going towards doing another film. I think the financing ran out, and he had this other script, and he was like, "Well, with the financing that just fell out of this, we can just do this," and that's how zero theorem came about. Oh wow! Like it, it was scrambled together quickly. Because of an opportunity for financing, which is incredible. That's crazy. Well, it does all take place in that one building. So. Right. It is pretty amazing. I just think that's so wonderful. It's and that so He rad. still has that like independent ingenuity where he's just yeah. like, oh, well, let's take this and do this and still create. Yeah. That's what it's I love about so that, that Austin scene of filmmakers is that that's just like it feels like everyone down there is like that. Like, yeah. let's just make movies. Like yep. before me and my wife bought a place 
out here, it's like we were highly considering moving to Austin. Really? And just because like there's a movie that we I helped put yeah, out. That's why like, yeah, exactly. It's like it was a uh, the uh, Zero Charisma mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, the, the couple that put it out, you know, they were living out here trying to, you know, get money together to make a movie that they wanted to. But, you know, like the guy had to keep on taking editing jobs or this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then uh, they moved out to Austin and within a year and a half had finished their first feature. And just hearing that made me go like, oh, God, you could just – it's just like a scene. It's the scene out there. Yeah. It's very supportive too. Yeah. It feels like there's a lot of possibility there. The cost of living – I mean it's going up now. Yeah. <laughs> but it used to be very cheap and yeah. it felt like any crazy idea that you'd have, be it a film or a weird business that you wanted to open, there was this sense of just like community support. Like anything's possible. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's really – and I still feel that even though the, the city's growing and changing a little bit, it still feels like things are possible. Yeah. And there is a real community there, especially around movies. It's unlike any other place. It's like – the movie-going public there are passionate about films, and they know their shit, yeah. and they're supportive of, of other filmmakers and local filmmakers, and Fantastic Fest has a lot to do with that, too. It feels like yeah, there's a Yeah, and Alamo Draft House in, in general, right? Totally. Yeah. It's totally. just, it's so fucking great. There's just the vibe out there. It's a and good it's, energy to be around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, And like, there's something that genuinely comes out of that stuff. You know, yeah. People are making movies because they met each other at Fantastic Fest. Like, that's happening. That was the thing when, when my wife and I left Fantastic Fest last year. We were just, we were just so, like, our hearts were full of inspiration. I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh, you're just seeing all these people do stuff. And I then, know. like, you know, you, you see this crazy... You know, crazy guy running around. You're like, wait, who's that weirdo that just like was falling asleep in the karaoke rooms? They're like, oh, that's Nacho Vigalondo. You're like, Nacho Vigalondo, oh, like that, <laughs> that, just that crazy like weird party dude. And you're like, yeah, I'm like, fuck, like everyone's just a weirdo yeah. freak here. And I just, like his movies. Dude, his I movies. Like, Open Windows was fucking trippy. <laughs> that's crazy. I, I went and saw it uh, at that they showed it at Cinefamily. Yep. And you skyped in for the yes. Q&A. Yeah, I was in Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, real just depressing, lonely hotel room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was so weird. But it was just fucking <laughs> so weird. It's so fucking great, though. It was just like, and it was like you know Nacho and Sasha mm-hmm. like on the stage, and it was just a fucking goddamn. Just like that guy just has such a weird mind for movies. He does. His so ideas was, are so solid. So is that so and very unique? It, the, because it does seem like the the, the stuff that you choose, there's always. An interesting element of, I mean, even doing Wilford is like, oh, well, this just is like a seems like a fun, weird thing, totally to do. Even though it's a series, you'd be committed to it for a little while. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just was it was it more the idea of that you wanted to do television. Or you just love this idea, and that's where it was. It was the idea. I, I, I mean, I, I was interested in taking a look at television because television's obviously become a very different thing in the last sure. five to ten years. Um, and so I was. I, I was actively looking just out of curiosity, and the notion of doing comedy was exciting to me. And it was just that idea. I read the the pilot script, and I'd never read anything like it. I ended up looking up videos from the original show, because it started out in, in yeah. Australia, two seasons in Australia. Um, and it blew my mind at how dark and weird it was. And I was like, oh, this is, this is yeah. for me. This is great. How strange. And, and also the kind of like ultimately meeting with, da- um, with David Zuckerman, and getting a sense of the kind of show that he wanted to make and where it would go and how it's really kind of about mental illness and it's about a guy who's kind of mm-hmm. lost his perspective on reality and where that could, you know, that you could kind of have the show operating on two levels where you've got this sort of ridiculous comedy of a man in a dog suit. But then you've also got this serious yeah. kind of undercurrent of someone kind of struggling. I just loved it. And it kind of reminded me of Harvey. Harvey's one of my favorite movies. Oh, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. It's got a Calvin and Hobbes kind of vibe. So, yeah, in answer to your question, it was like a, 
it was a specific idea that inspired the move rather than like, I need to find something for television. It just happened to be this thing. I just want to see where this goes. <laughs> this is so exciting. Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that's the case for anything that I do, even in film. Um, like cooties, for example. Like, way to bring it back. Wow. Um, it's that it, it, it's all based on just a gut feeling and wanting to do something kind of different and something that is challenging. And I'm more often than not, I think, just inspired by filmmakers. So Nacho is a filmmaker who I loved. Time Crimes Time is, Crimes. Crimes. is fucking great. Bruno Criminis. Yes. It's so great. So I no, remember... No effects. None. It's, yeah. it's just a fucking... Like when someone can do essentially a sci-fi movie without effects, yeah. it's so incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Primer is a good example of that too. Have you ever seen Primer? Oh, yeah, Primer. of course. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, boy. So... A guy was already in it before the movie ever started, right? With the primer, I've been—I st- I still think about it from time to time. Oh, dude, it's been so long since I've seen it, I wouldn't be able to remember. Yeah. It just gets a bit mind bending. Your it's brain starts to hurt. Yeah. two thirds of the way through. You're That's like, what I loved about wait, time which, crimes, though, who, is that it like it almost—you almost go to a place where you can't understand what's happening, but it keeps you safe. It keeps on it bringing you back from the brink. It does, and I also like the fact that time crimes is all within the span of what, like an hour. hour yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very short, and all the things that seem so like weird, like and like creepy, or yeah. just you see them like on the, the other yeah. on the other the, side. You're you like, oh, it's just so yeah, dumb and clumsy. It. Yeah, yeah, it's so <sighs> great. But yeah, after seeing that movie, I thought, man, I really want to work with this guy, and that, like that that's sort of a perfect example of like what how my head works. I see something great, and I just want to be a part of whatever that person's doing. That sure. more often than not, I think. So what uh, – Cooties comes out soon. September 18th. September yeah. 18th. In theaters and on VOD. Oh, At the same time? Theatrical. Yeah. It's uh, a day and date. Now is it uh, – um, how do you think that's going to work like from now on? You know, It seems like more people are experimenting with, with the Different simultaneous release. release models, yeah, yeah. And so what do, you think would, what do you think motivates people to go see it in a theater if they don't have to get off their couch? Good question. <laughs> Communal Good question. I, well, I don't have I the do data on that. Like, I don't. I don't know how that works. Like, yeah. I'd be curious actually to know, like, the percentage of people that go to a theatrical release, even though it's actually on iTunes at the same time. I don't know. I suppose it depends on the city you're living in. If if you love your th- cinema and you want to go to your, I don't know. Like, you would go to Alamo Drafthouse because Alamo Drafthouse is like a it's star. A gr- yeah, well, of, I go, like, that's, great experience. Yeah, that's a great yeah. experience. That's a community. That's people. So I same think- with the Lumleys in Pasadena. That's where I go for like my art house films. Like it's like I had already seen what we do in the shadows on DVD. God, but that I, movie's great. It's so fucking great. And I but I wanted to see it with other people around yeah. and to see where people are loving. That's you know I watched. The screener of Cooties, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it, but I kind of feel like I want to go and see it in a theater. It kind of that movie particularly needs to be seen in, with an yeah. audience. Most horror movies, especially horror comedies, are better served with an audience. Exactly. Like Cheap Thrills is like a completely different Dude. you know movie. You have to see that you with have a crowd to see of people. It, like yeah, and that's what Pat told told me too. He was just like, if you can't see it in a theater, just br- invite a ton of friends over yeah. to watch it. And we did that. We had like you know ten Isn't people that in our movie house. Awesome. It's so fucking great. Have you seen it's Pat Healy's uh, and Dave Keckner? And uh, Ethan Embry? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, dude. Yeah. But I remember when Pat was on the podcast, you were That's super, right. super jazzed up about it. Yeah, it's just fucking great. And I'm like, uh, at last Fantastic Fest, I met the guy that made it. Evan. And, yeah. Evan's great. Yeah, it was crazy because it's just, I was just talking to this like tattoo guy like about punk for like an hour. <laughs> and then like Kumail was like, yeah, it's the guy that made like, you know, the movie. I was like, oh, fuck. I wish I would have known that. But yeah. it was probably better that I didn't. <laughs> so you didn't choose it. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just the guy I talked so... about screeching weasel with. <laughs> 
<laughs> but what's uh, so Cooties comes out in about a month. Um, well, actually, when this is when's this going up, Katie? I just want to make sure. Oh, okay. All right. So Cooties comes out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Smooth. That's a that good, good. Edit point. Smooth like peanut butter. Um, just don't, eh, eh, don't edit that out. Fuck it. I want him to see the wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it's done. Yeah. It's not all perfect. Get that peanut butter this line in there. This is real life. Yeah, this is what it is. I'm just going to jam the knife right in the peanut butter for yeah. the next person. Except Podcast. just for who we are. Yeah. yeah. Podcast can be lo-fi. Come yeah, on. Yeah, sure. You know, it's true. This is never going to be on the subreddit oddly satisfying, but it's fine. <laughs> it's good to have all the what bends. What is the subreddit cut? Yeah, oddly I don't know what that is. satisfying? What is oddly satisfying? Yeah. Oh, to you. So beautiful. What, what is, is it? it? Oddly satisfying. <laughs> Tell us. A bunch of weird things that are just oddly satisfying. It's just like, oh, the way all these marshmallows landed in this cup of cocoa, or the way these wires all lead to this one thing. It's just, oh, yeah. it's just images or or like animated gifs of stuff that you feel like that things just, just come together. Yeah, where where there's something oh. about it that happens, and you kind of get that internal reward of like, oh, oh. there's harmony. <laughs> like it's, it's, there's something to this place. It's, yeah, it's oddly satisfying. It's, that it's is our slash oddly satisfying. Oh, I got to look that so up. So it's uh, yes. So uh, this will not be on that because this is this has got all the scrapes in it yeah, it's loose. and all the, the little dirty around the cheeks. Look at this. This pile's not going to be in what there. What is this pile of wires? It's dumb bullshit. <laughs> um, but uh, so when when did you guys make this? And what was the was this just another thing where you go? Oh, I just want to work on a, another horror comedy. Well, this one was an internal idea. So I've got a production company, Spectrevision, to produce horror and genre films. So this was an idea that we had. Like three years ago, it took us about three years to get the movie made, um, and it was communicated to Lee Wanell, who wrote Saw and Insidious, and he loved it and wanted to meet with us to talk about writing it for us, which we were enthusiastic about because yeah. he's a great writer. Uh, and so we had this meeting with him. We had this idea, which was basically my business, my producing partner Josh was like, "What if there was a cooties virus that only affected kids pre-puberty?" Or like a, a, a zombie virus, and, and we'd call it cooties. And we're like, oh my god, how has that never been done? How is that not like a 1970s or 1980s exploitation movie? Yeah, <laughs> cooties, like trauma. Yeah, something. yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's funny when my wife and I were watching it. She's like, she's like, this is like a like a good trauma movie. Totally had a couple extra bucks. Totally. Yeah. So we, but we wanted to take it seriously. We love the idea, but we wanted to make like, this serious horror movie, which has to be done with horror comedy. You have to take it seriously. You do. That's yeah. very true. But we didn't realize it was a comedy just yet. Because then we met with Lee, and he was like, yeah, but it's called Cooties, mate. <laughs> it's a comedy. And we're like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and he wanted to write it with his friend uh, Ian Brennan, who is a co-creator of Glee. So the two of them spiked the script for us. And then it just took time, like putting the thing together, getting the financing in place. Um, and I, for the longest time, didn't want to work as an actor in the film. You know, having started this company, I just wanted literally to start the company to produce and facilitate great filmmakers and films that we believed in. And I didn't want it to be sort of an avenue for which I could, like, siphon myself into these films. So I was really resist res resistant to that sort of spiritually. And then I kind of relented and played the role. But I'm really glad I did because it was a blast. The yeah. cast was super fun. We got such an amazing cast. With it was like a solid cast. Rain Wilson and yeah. Allison Pell. Jack McBrayer. Dude, Nassim so Pedrod. good. And Lee's in it as well. And he's fucking hilarious. He's such a revelation in that movie. Wait, which one is it? He plays... Um, the... He, 
He plays the science teacher. Oh god, that guy was so great. Oh my god. Yeah, it's funny because at first I was like, I was like, I don't know about this character, and by the end, I was like, he's my favorite character. Like the first time you meet him, he's reading a book about how to have conversations with <laughs> that aggressive, <laughs> the aggressive, the weather. It's hot out there today, huh? It's a real scorcher, scorcher out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but is it, it ha, the 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 patience that you have to have for filmmaking? Mm. Just because, you know, just to say, like, oh, three years. And that's not even really that long Mm-mm. if you... It's true. You know, if you, if you write a movie today and it gets made in three years, you're doing a good job. That's not bad. That it, right. can take lo- it can take five, ten years. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, h- how are you... Are you just used to that process? Or how, how are you comfortable with the fact that... I, I'm just so impatient. It was like, I don't know, just fucking... Oh, I just need this to get made now and just yeah. be done. Yeah, I think I just understand that that's part of it, you know? It'll take its own time. And to a certain degree, we didn't ever want to rush anything because we also want it to come together in the way that it's supposed to with the right directors and the right cast. So the waiting is a bummer. But during that time, it didn't feel unproductive. We were still doing rewrites. We were still working on the script, honing it over time to make it as strong as we possibly could. So, yeah, I don't know. I Like... I've worked long enough to know that that's kind of what happens and it just takes a long time and it doesn't it doesn't bother me cuz we're we're also always concurrently working on like five or six other things mm-hmm. so we're always either we're in varying stages of development with each film so it always feels like we're working on something like even if we're not shooting something right now there's other things that we're trying to like put pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah. Anything you, you want to leak mean? so an entertainment website can claim they had the exclusive on it? What a scoop. <laughs> this was what I'll say after you say what something. What a scoop. What a Man. scoop. Our website is uncovered. Where did you uncover that information? <laughs> We've uncovered it. Uh, is there anything that you, because you must be in various stages of production on everything. Yeah. Imagine. So is there is there anything that you're immediately, that's the next thing that's right around the corner? Yeah, we're doing a film. It hasn't been announced yet, but it probably will be by the time this comes out. Um, Exclusive! Exclusive, really. It'll kids! It'll already be announced. It's not much of a scoop. <laughs> you're you're well, it's right, a movie. Joe. It's a movie called Bad Vibes, um, which is... It's a um, it's a werewolf movie. It's about a movie about uh, it's set in 1969. It's about like a feel good uh, sort of like sunshine and hippie flowers sort of rock band that are very popular at the time. Um, and the lead singer of this band, a band called Sunshine Majesty, he sleeps with a groupie. The groupie gives him an STD. That STD is basically like a lichen th- th- disease. Mm-hmm. Oh, rad. But instead of it being like, there's a slight physical transformation, but the main thing is like ideological. So he becomes a nihilist. <laughs> and, and, and he fucks his own girlfriend and then wants ev- his entire band to fuck her too. So that they're all like, and he starts oh, writing this man. new sound. And it's like this really gnarly, discordant, like dark music. <laughs> and the whole thing is about like killing squares. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that sounds great. Bad vibes. And Ariel Pink is writing all of the songs for the Oh, movie. that's perfect. Isn't that's that awesome? the perfect guy for fucking that so sound. Exciting. Oh, shit. It's so exciting. That's we, great. St- we start shooting that in October in Austin. Oh, shit. So that's going to be the most recent, the newest thing. That's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, his his sound is perfect for that era. Isn't it perfect? Yeah. He's already, I've already heard a demo of like one of the Sunshine Majesty songs, and it's perfect. God. Like, 
horror movies sounds exactly horror like. movie soundtracks right now are just killing it aren't they like the guest soundtrack Dude, Steve Moore rules yeah the so It Follows soundtrack was awesome yeah I picked it up on vinyl the other day it's not the most settling music to have <laughs> on in the background I realize <laughs> Steve Moore is doing something we have a, um, a horror festival with Cine Family uh-huh. that runs through from September through October and we try and do a lot of like um, live scoring and musical components as well. Yeah. And he's coming out to do a mashup of Superman one and two, only the flying and action sequences. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's I'm great. Really that's really good. This motherfucker was a producer on A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, oh, which I, I know this guy the over of. here. There was a poster yeah, of it in the background the way, I have to in Danville. I have to apologize for anybody who sees Cooties. I have to apologize for that. It, it, like, I forgot that we'd done that. It's, it's and I think fun. We, I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's actually it's self-serving. Really, no, it's terrible. It makes no sense at all. <laughs> but we put them there, and I thought, I think we just thought, oh, it'll be deep background. It's just for us to know. But it like totally gets featured in one of the shots. Yeah. And the first time I saw the newly finished cut of the film, I was like, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> it's terrible. It's got a Cooties poster. Oh, I didn't notice. I only mm-hmm. noticed the girl walks home. The, the Jay Shaw did a, um, a, like a lollipop poster for us with like a skeleton hand holding the lollipop. Nice. That was an exclusive for Sundance. And we put that poster. So there's a, a Cooties poster in the movie. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Girl walks home alone at night. Okay, okay. I get that. That could have gotten. Yeah, that. sorry. I didn't notice the cooties one. I only noticed the girl walks home alone because you have to put something there. Totally. Yeah. And I think we put "Watch the Skies" on the marquee, oh. which is a reference to Gremlins. I think there's a theater in Gremlins that says that says "Watch the Skies." Oh, really? I believe. Okay. so. Okay. Well, I feel like in every movie you make now, you have to have that poster in the background. Like that'll that'll be that'll be your Raimi Buick. <laughs> Does he have a Buick in every movie? His yeah. car. It's his car. The, it's in, the car from Evil Dead. It, it's, You're in, it's in every movie. It's yeah. the one that Uncle Ben's driving in uh, in Spider Man. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it just appears, and I wonder if it'll appear in this series if it's going to be an Ash vs Evil Dead. I, oh, I wonder if it's uh, they're probably driving a Buick that tr- holds that trailer that they're in, right? I wonder if I asked him that when he was on and he answered it, and I forgot. What the answer was? Go back and listen to the Sam Raimi podcast. Maybe we address that. If not, I'm sorry. If so, you win. <laughs> I loved how excited you. Thank you so much for doing the nerdist stuff at Comic Con with course. us. That was so wonderful. And and uh, and you know, o- over the years, we've emailed back and forth, and I've seen you at various events, and I always think, oh, that guy's so nice. I want to hang out with him more. And I, your enthusiasm was so sincere and genuine. When I told you that the first horror movie I ever saw was Phantasm when I was like five years oh, old. Yeah. Phantasm. God, it's great. Because, yeah. because the setting of it, I, I loved how excited you were for me as a young per- it was. It it's was a perfect movie. It was Halloween yeah. in the 70s. I was like five or six years old. My parents went out to a party and I was with a babysitter. All the lights were out oh, in the apartment. And HBO, it's beautiful. It's we beautiful. had just gotten HBO. Yeah. We had just gotten it's HBO. So and we watched Phantasm uh, together. And that movie fucked me up. For years I had nightmares about the tall man and the, and the, and the ball. Yeah. And the, through the mausoleum, and mausoleums to this day, I still get that same feeling that I every got. Every time you take a corner, every time I'm in a mausoleum, it's the same exact feeling I got in the pit yeah. of my wow. stomach from watching. Every time I'm in a mausoleum, yeah. it's so beautiful. That's so that's like perfect. parents are at a party. <laughs> yeah. It's Halloween night. You're with the babysitter. Fuck. Yeah, my my first was, oh. and you don't know that yeah. you're not gonna get killed. No, when you you're don't know. You're a kid. You right. think it's all real. Yes. Yeah. Might as well be a fucking documentary you're watching. Yes. For me, it was my cousin was watching me and my brother, and we watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. The so, first one. The first one. Yeah. It was so uh, solid. I was four years old. Starring Johnny Depp. 
Yes, a young Johnny Depp. But I remember just like I became obsessed. I, my whole idea is if I, in a dream, become friends with Freddy, he won't want to kill me. You think so, you could talk like your way so out of it? Like I would protection. You yeah, know, like, I'll just, I'll just like befriend this dude. Yeah, exactly. I was That's like, cool. pretty cool kill, Freddy. Good. Nice one, buddy. Yeah, nice one. I'm I, I would have gone after him like the kid in Dream Warriors, like the Wizard King. I would have tried to shoot him with magic, and then Dream Warriors is great. Dream Warriors is the best one. That's that's the first Third. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw. I think it was written by Mike DeLuca, hmm. I believe, which is crazy. Um, and I'll never forget one of the, the craziest images is when the kid's in the hospital. And, and the, the marionette? Yeah. yeah. The the, the fucking, oh, yeah, it's so, so good. good. Or, the, or when he goes to, when, when his hands turn into needles and he injects her yeah. and she's got the little oh, yeah, mouths yeah. on her forearm. Like, oh, yeah. And oh, he yeah, just goes yeah, right yeah. in. That's a, you know, isn't Phantasm another one of those movies uh like uh, Exorcist, where the the first and the third are really good, because I remember um, Nightmare on Elm Street. The third is better, is as good as the first, mm-hmm. but the second one kind of blows. I believe you're right. And then yeah, Phantasm. I remember liking the third one a lot more than the second one. You know what? Third, I love, and I only recently saw it. I'd waited so long to see this movie, mainly because I thought it was going to be terrible. Is uh, Halloween three? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With, the, with the with the mask, with the mask, yeah. Great. Eight more yeah. days till Halloween. Yeah. Dude, it's Silver so Shamrock. It's such a strange concept for. I mean, it's such a weird departure from the storyline. Well, it's not. It has nothing to do with. It. It's like well, it's like a Die Hard movie. It's like not, it wasn't even a script for Halloween. And I think I remember being really confused. Is like, all right, so that thing shot those kids in the back of the head with some beam, and then all these snakes started coming out mm-hmm. of their skull. Like yeah. I didn't really. I think it, when I saw it, I didn't really understand. I'm like, yeah. okay, I guess it's just weird magic shit. And it's something yeah. to do with Stonehenge, right? Yeah. Wouldn't they like? Didn't they take ch- yes. pieces of Stonehenge or something, something? like that? Some yeah. magic. What was your rock. first? What was your first horror experience? It was either Gremlins, which did terrify me. I remember yeah. thinking that there were Wasn't Gremlins underneath my bed. Oof! <laughs> that really. Well, as long as you don't me. feed them after midnight, it's true. I mean, depending on which, Gremlins. Well, they're already Gremlins at that point. Of your, they're your not Mogwai. Yeah. Um, they're Mogwai once you. They're Mogwai until you feed them. Correct. Yeah, but he said there was gremlins. Oh, there were gremlins. Oh, so he's actually get your mo- shit together. So much. You get your shit together. If I got it together. Oh, someone ate after midnight. Oh, turned into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you wet because uh, oh, you're getting me wet. All oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you're getting fucking so wet. <laughs> oh my god, this Mogwai is multiplying. I can't help it. I'm just too much of a turn on. I better take off my shirt. Oh yeah. no. Oh no. Wait, you guys. That is the greatest nerd porn idea ever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the Mogwai like. The Mogwai, like the Mogwai, gets super wet because you're fucking it. So all these other Mogwai shoot out oh of it. Oh my god! And then because they obviously have both sex organs. And then you feed it come after midnight. And then you feed it come after midnight. And then, and then oh, these sorry. and then these cum gremlins. I'm so sorry to the people cum that came gremlins. with you. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, dripping. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mr. Futterman comes in with his dick out. Like uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I mean, time to make a deposit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. And then the final man. scene, instead of like when the gremlin jumps in the pool, it's just like this massive bukkake orgy where they're just. <laughs> God damn it. And then gremlins goo, the, the gremlins. new. Gremlins goo! Jeez, the new batch. <laughs> the, uh, new snatch. the new snatch. The new snatch. Gremlins 2 is a really underrated movie that went that's in a meta movie. such a well, weird that's direction. Pure comedy. Yeah. Pure comedy. Such a they fucking... leaned into the comedy for that yeah, one. That's just that's the most Joe Dante movie Joe Dante's ever it's made. It's awesome. Yeah. And such a weird risk for them to take because the first Gremlins was such a hit mm-hmm. that they didn't just go, well, we should probably just do a like another story in the Mogwai yeah. family line or whatever. But what a great 
I got to go back and watch that. I hope it holds up. I haven't seen two in a long, long they time. They always hold up when you go back. And it's watch true. They always yeah. hold up when you go back. That's so. true. A lot of the movies that I love growing up hold up for me. I mean, The Goonies is like still yeah. awesome. It's Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall with the Killbots. Yep. Never seen Chopping Mall. Really? Mm-mm. That's a that's a classic right there. It's uh the exterior they use. Or I think the whole thing they shoot. No, the exterior is the Beverly Center. No shit. And then the I think uh, the uh, Sherman Oaks Galleria is the interior. Sleepaway awesome. Camp yeah. totally holds up. Yeah. Have you guys seen this service called Shutter? It's basically a curated horror. Um, it's like Netflix, but just for horror. What? Oh, shit. Colin Geddes, the fuck? Who programs the TIFF like midnight section? Yeah, is one of the programmers, and it is incredible. Like, what the fuck is The it? curation is so solid. It's the right amount of like the classics that if you're new to the genre, you've got your classics represented. It's got a great amount of foreign horror, a great amount of like really old stuff, like even from like the 40s and 50s. Fuck. It, it's incredible. And it's categorized really beautifully. They are constantly adding new films and like spotlighting like featured films that they want people to see. It is so great. That that, is awesome. it just a just a web based it's streaming a, service? Yeah, I can pull it up on my phone. Oh my god! Does, does it have an app? Is it, it has an app? And it, how much is it a month? It is like a couple bucks. I think it's like four bucks. It's a month. free to anyone who promotes it on their podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, let's no, I'm get kidding. some. No, I, I would rather pay and support it. Yeah, you got us pay for that thing. But like, yeah, it's all these different categories. Holy shit. Human monsters and serial killers. Haunted habitations. Identity crises. Hexes and goons. For this collection. Oh, my God. That looks fantastic. Oh, that's rad. I mean, and the streaming. Disco path. path. Henry. Henry. I saw The Devil. That's a great movie. Yeah, that's a great movie, but they're remaking it for an American audience. No. Yeah. You know what's great about well, the crazy this? Thing about that, there's no way it's going to be nearly as gnarly. No, I it's a it's a very gory. That. It's like remaking old boys. It's also they don't do they it's... don't even talk that much in the movie. Have so you what's seen kidnapped? No Spanish home invasion film. Ew, that, I can't watch that with my wife. She does fuck not. You up. Home invasion and uh, possession. We uh, Deanna can't watch. Have you seen Snowtown Murders? No, that's kind of in that that sort of milieu of like um, Australian family crime dramas. It's actually based on on. An actual killer. You've oh, just fuck, made my great. life a million times better because that's all you've awesome. been doing lately. Well, yeah, because we, I, you know, we'll go to iTunes every other night and just kind of get bummed, like ah, there's not anything new that we haven't, you know. But this is, I just saw like nine things in there, like oh, I gotta, I gotta yeah. watch. Yeah, all and those. that's better too because it's like you know, there's a human touch to it with the recommendations. Yep. So it's like it's like, well, the, these guys think it's good. We fuck the algorithms. Yes. Fuck the recommendation engines. I want people, I yeah. man. I'm with you. Picking 100%. stuff yeah. and uh, now nothing sound old. Else. But nothing's ever going to be as personal than people choosing it for you. Exactly. And that's an what algorithm, makes Apple an Music playlists not going to take better. an or, or, right. an algorithm is yeah. not going to be able to take a cool left turn somewhere just because that guy, you know, this person might just have like a weird, unrelated thing. Oh, and I also like this. Mm-hmm. That it's just you know, yeah. this is such a great thing that they're doing. It's well, awesome. Yeah, definitely. They're, the human touch is like a huge thing. I think that's going to start coming back more and more, especially like I, so like I said, the Apple the Apple Music. Playlist. It's so like, the playlists you know, are curated by. You, yeah, I think they did that with Title too. Oh, didn't they? I think they did. Probably that's probably what I they think brought Tidal over. Still has some of that. But they just have these Beats playlists that. that, like, it's like it's clear that someone that knows these bands mm-hmm. or knows this type of music is making a, like a. Mix I know some for people you. who were hired to do that. No them. way. Yeah. That must have been so much fun. Some of them get real specific, mm-hmm. like get up and go indie pop from the '90s music, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like super grass and you know upbeat pavement songs. It's just real. It's it's fucking trippy. I, I love haven't it. really. Explored Apple Music yet? 
I'm digging it. I might I might leave RDO for it. Really? I might, I Which might. service were you using? Before? RDO. RDO. Yeah, it's a, it was a it was they they had a very transparent business practice, so it's like I felt. Uh, better going with in them, terms of how, like how Spotify, which like you know they wouldn't pay. They try RDO tried to pay people, and they mm-hmm. worked a lot really closely with uh, labels and distributors and stuff like that, and bands, and they would mm-hmm. do show you know spotlight showcase kind of stuff. So you're digging Apple Music? Yeah, I just it's like there's that human touch to it that I cannot. Fucking... It's nice. I just feel like you know what Apple was so good at was keeping everything really simple, and I feel like they've cluttered up the new UI. It's just cluttered. I love it. You do? It's just because... Like the My Connect thing? And every time I... I'm every, with you, man. I, every time I leave... I haven't delved into it enough, but it confuses me. Yeah, and every time I... Every time is gone. Every time yeah. I hit pause on a song or leave... When I go back to iTunes, it's taken me out of the playlist I was in and put and forced me onto another... Yeah, that, those glitches, I think, will get worked out. I mean, it just started, but like... You know, back porch Americana. So you got your Sunvolt, your Uncle Tupelo, old 97s. Uh, Magnetic Fields, best of 69 love songs. That's three albums worth of music that they've condensed into a greatest hits. That's great. The intro to the Mountain Goats. These are specific songs that they picked. Like, these are just fucking pump you up. Classic rock and punk tunes for Max Body Max. You're trying to make, no! the, you're trying to make <laughs> the jump from the Bing guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm no longer with Bing. I wanted to be the Apple Music guy. <laughs> Inspired by Public Image Limited. Come on. Come on. A Kinks oh, playlist oh, of just the ballads. Cool. Alternative summer, 90s. See, it's like... Now, does this curate for you? Like, what if, if I it, pull it up for me, it's going to be it's different, gonna, They'll have right? some different stuff. And where is that? Is it my music? For you. For you. Yeah. Let's see what it's done for me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's the influences. Intro to Sonic Youth. Inspired by Pill as well. Yeah. Uh, Wilco's being there. Jay-Z, personal songs. An oh. indie day at the beach. Oh yeah, that one's pretty good. With MGMT new pornographers and the apples in stereo. Oh, uh, flame lips in early years. Deep cuts, alternative gems, nineteen eighty four. You guys want to come over and listen to music? Oh yeah, here's one. Psychedelic furs, black flag. That's pretty good. Songs with math. Songs with math. Yeah, rock plus math equals a surprisingly winning equation. Ooh, I like this one. No more rain. Enjoy the blue skies with these upbeat soul and pop tunes. Oh, <laughs> wakey, wakey! Bounce out of bed with these songs to start the day. That sounds like you just th- like the way that that was described. Just from my, I was <laughs> sifting through old photographs, like old photo files, and I found a screenshot from from Directv's explanation of what Superman the movie was. Uh, <laughs> where you know where it gives you the little yeah. This was the entire explanation of Super- Superman the movie, nineteen seventy nine. Clark Kent has an alternate identity. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's the entire... That's the entire... Oh, fuck. That's great. That's, they've that distilled the entire movie yeah. in one sentence. This one cooled out in a warm place. This sun, The sun is blazing and there isn't a sandbar in sight, but don't worry. These tracks are so cool, you'll so, soon feel your body temperature decrease. Well, it sounds Stop like the it. McDLT of music. It's got Nouveau Vague, Os Mutantes, Dios Hollows, cool, Battles... Cool. Avalanches. Waken on a pretty days. Turn Which, off your alarm and yeah. hit play on this dreamy collection of post rock songs. You'll stretch that gentle early morning feeling on into the day with tunes by artists like Washed Out, Radiohead, and Beach House. Yes, and that's a, and this, the name of that playlist is a reference to a Kurt Vile record. That's All amazing. right, I Inspired fucking get it, Jonah. Well, I'm actually kind of down with this. Yes, it's great, and you find yourself listening to stuff you wouldn't normally good? listen to. Like, are they pretty well curated? They're pretty the well curated. Like, I would uh, like you know not many skippy. It's like not too often, not too often. It's uh, you know stuff that I uh, never really checked out or stuff that I That's like. Cool. I was like, oh yeah, I, I want to listen to the song. They do almost every playlist has PJ Har- Harvey down by the water, uh, which is a <laughs> great song. But like after a while, it's you find yourself, yeah, exactly. Fish, 
Uh, have you guys heard the new Tame Impala record, by the way? Not yet. I've heard uh, Sirius XMU plays the fuck ton of Tame Impala. Like, I like it literally Impala. every Tame. like 30 minutes, there's a Tame Impala song, a yeah. different Tame Impala. With, with switched in with a Courtney Barnett song, wow. which I'm totally on board for. Wait, don't you? Courtney Barnett's fucking great. She's great, but it, it's kind of interesting. Her her move, they're like song poems. Like the songs start out as like, here's a weird story where I'm kind yeah. of paranoid about a thing that happened yesterday. Yeah. And now here comes the musical part. But she has that great line. She has that great line, uh, put me on a pedestal and I'll, and I'll only disappoint you. That's a fucking yeah, great lyrics, line. Lyrics are great. Line. Yeah, um, great. Don't you have a record label that I you did. put out like black metal? Uh, no, <laughs> no. I put out the, a couple of apples and stereo records. I ended really? up partnering with them on on a couple albums. Shit, I love apples and stereo. Yeah, me too. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a label. Velocity for of Sound a, was a big album. What is like it came? It was the first album to come out. Velocity of Sound. Uh, right when I moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. So that is that's like, the the orange cover, right? Yeah, it's the one it's that's like real the one that fuzzy. Like and they, they're like the fuzzy version of the Archies or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the record's yeah. really good. It's a great record. But every album changes. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a label for a little while. It was like. I think if I had it to do over again, I would have done it with a group of people. It was really just me. And I yeah. did a – the easiest way to facilitate it was to do like an imprint deal with another label. So I did it with Yep Rock. And effectively, I was basically just the A&R. Yeah. But that's the fun part. It was great. No, no, no. It was really good. But ultimately, like they – it's not their project. It was my project. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? So, oh, so like, you had to be – So like sure enthusiasm they... and like the sort of – the brainchild was mine, and they were just facilitating it. So yeah. it, it would have been way better for I me. Mean, I learned a lot, and it was mm-hmm. a great experience. But I think if I were to do that again, I would just do it with a few people that we all have the same idea, and yeah. we would just work together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I didn't have the time to do it all the time in the way that I wanted to. But it was a good experience. You're a very inspiring young man. You just do a lot of fun stuff that you like to do. That's what I try and do. It's yeah. so good. It's what life yeah. is about. Exactly. I mean, it really is. It's such a multifaceted thing, and... I feel like life is there for us to try and experience as much as we possibly can and learn new things and, you know. Where do you, when you, when you look back someday. <laughs> you okay, Chris? When you, uh, I feel too good. <laughs> oh, I think, oh, anthrax. Um, Man, there has been talk about anthrax in a while. <laughs> you mean anthrax? as a concept? Or like as the band? band? Or the well, both. Well, both. Uh, but yeah. as a concept, as, oh, a, as, a concept. as something that can kill you. Remember that was a th- real thing. Yeah. But of course, it was a real thing. Anthrax yeah. was everywhere. Yeah, were, it was. People were mailing it. Was, it. it was like at one place, and then everyone thought it was everywhere. Right. It was yeah. in a couple it, places, and you and it's, you don't want to fucking breathe it. You don't no. want to touch it. No, you don't. I. I the, the, there's a residue from that time. Sometimes I'll get letters, and I'll be like, <laughs> Yeah, I know, me too. It's still, still to this day. I'm like, Is there a little? Pa- no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just one person who was like, I'm the person who didn't like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. No! <laughs> Just baby powder. Just helping them out. Uh, when you when you when you look back someday, what what's what's your what do you hope to look back and see? Like what do you want to have done? I mean, can, is there are there paths? Is it just about trying new things, or are there specific things? There are specific things. I mean, I um, I'd love to direct a film. I think there are times where I can imagine that when I start to do that, that I might just do that. <laughs> like I've fantasized about. I, I just love filmmaking, so I think whatever it is I'm doing, I'm always going to be involved in filmmaking on some level, or want to be involved. So later in life, looking back, if that is something that I will have wanted to have achieved. And to have done a lot of, because I just love the process. Mm. 
But outside of that, I mean, you know, I had a goal to start this company. That's something that's happening. And I'm, it's, I'm constantly in amazement that we're able to do this and that people somehow get what we're trying to do with these horror movies. And so that's happening. And, you know, to have an outlet to play records and to have that really be a thing that people want to see me do is insane. To get paid for that is so crazy. It's the best. Because I'm just, I'm literally getting paid to go do something that I would want to be doing anyway. So to have, you know, so I guess later in life, looking back, Rather than it being about specificity, I think I will will have want I would want to look back and go I did everything that I wanted to do like I tried new things uh, I, I lived a full life you know I, I, I guess I, I no wanted, no I want have you have you been to have you have you done any of those crazy DJ gigs in Vegas where they it's a different not, kind they, of scene I, there it's a different scene and I don't know that my like the stuff we play would be appreciated yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> maybe at the double down there, it's pitfall. so it's so EDM there yeah yeah but like if you were to like uh, you know off the strip or totally. the double down saloon that'd be cool yeah that's a place to go that would be awesome. I'm tr- I really am so It's a bummed. funny yeah. thing there. I love that we have posters, like billboards for the gigs there. Yeah. yeah you notice that in so LA? Much- There's yeah. all over, like Hakkasan or whatever. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> they make so much money. Yeah. They make, they make so much fucking money. So much money. Yeah. And I, then, remember, I remember when Steve Aoki just started DJing. He makes millions. He makes millions off of it. He was like he's an old really hardcore nice kid. Yeah. He was, he's one of the producers of the movie that we're releasing, The Hive. No way. Yes. Uh, those guys, yeah, because those... Those bars in Vegas, it's like fifty dollar cover. Drinks are a hundred dollars a beer, yeah. and then they just they just pay these dudes like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep, yep. Um, I ain't making that money. No, no, that's <laughs> no. all right. I actually pay people. I'm making that vinyl money. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just pay people to let me plug in my phone and bring up my DJ app when I DJ at a bar. You do you know? Do you ever play with any of those? No. Oh, they're the best. The best. I have is- definitely renegade DJ though when there's been like. Uh, you know, like an auxiliary cable that's just sitting oh, yeah. there and be like, can I just maybe put Are you going to scratch? Are you going to a little, little scratch? No, no. I'll I'll do... I won't scratch. I'll just... Uh, Mix one song to another. Uh, air- oh, you got little sound effects? Yeah, there's a bunch of... Uh... Get out. Yeah, Let me see that. There's a ton of them. Here's $100,000. <laughs> you've, you've just made yourself a Vegas DJ. Yeah. So that gunshot, the cartoon punch. The, the gunshot comes in handy when I'm playing MIA paper planes. <laughs> oh, I, I see. Do. So these are actually categorized. That is dubstep sounds. Yeah. Can you get other ones too? Yeah. You can go through the list. There's a bunch of weird shit in there. <laughs> that That's is fun. awesome. Before we let you go, uh... let's go. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Please don't turn us into a morning zoo. You son of a bitch, DJ. fucker! Oh my god, it is. Yeah, I forgot like morning, that like the other day the podcast show. we had that sound effects board yes, that we would often. Right. It was just like Those all of a sudden man. an eagle screech. <laughs> um, uh, can we just really quickly? There's not even a question around it, Elijah Wood. Uh, you were in Back to the Future, part two. Yeah, you were in Back to the Future, part two. Oh, what? You, you? Oh no, you weren't one of the kids on the. No, no, he was at the video. I was game. In the, the video game, kid. yeah, the yes, back the of the cafe eighties, cafe eighties, trying to work the. It's like a gunslinger game. It's like yeah. a. It's like a. It's it basically like there's a light a, gun. It's like Duck Hunt, right? Yeah, it's basically like Duck yeah. Hunt. So it's me, yeah, and I had a col- I had a colander as a hat because <laughs> that's what we're gonna wear in the future. That's you mean like this year? That's right. This year, that weird. 
It's so weird. It is really weird. It's, it's not quite what we anticipated. No. No. <laughs> not at all. Or hoped for. No. No. no well, we I... do have electric vehicles. Sure. Sort of. That kind yeah. of drive themselves. Kind the of. self-driving car does exist. It's, it's just a... not on the market. Yet. And they're yeah. not flying. That's true. But actually, like I was, I totally fantasized about flying cars when I was a kid. But like putting it into a re- real context, do we want horribly dangerous? It's, no. it's so terribly it dangerous. Be like instant apocalypse. The like first somehow, day. I yeah. that's the that's a part of me that realized that I did grow up, where I realized like, oh, that <laughs> fantasy is ridiculous. You know the, uh, <laughs> like, the there would be so many uh, fucking the, accidents. The I mean, dude, away. they're they're having like with the, the whole drone thing now. Oh yeah, it's a oh, mess. Yeah. It's a fucking mess. It is. There are people that are flying their drones over into like airspace. wildfires f- fires in airspace, getting and it, in the it way. Means and it means that they can't actually put out the fires. The fire department can't put them out because the fucking drones are getting in the way. Jesus yeah. Christ. And, and they're good shots. Oh, the shots they're getting. They're so good. They're oh. well, and there's also so something about like you can't shoot them down. A guy did in uh, I feel like that we Northern should California. be able to shoot them down. Yeah, he said he came over his property, so he shot down because he doesn't want anyone spying on him. That's right. And he's, I think he's in the right. Yeah. I think he should be in the right. Yeah. With other drones. We could shoot it down with other drones. Yeah. Remember when Amazon very briefly... For a second. Oh. And that ad was the coolest thing ever? Yeah. Did you see the advertisement? Yeah. And, and that like would be... like a drone picking up a package and like yeah. flying it to your door. You're like, wait, this doesn't really exist. I need yeah. this macaroni and cheese right now. <laughs> I need this renews it right now. You know, in Austin, they've got Amazon, Amazon Prime now. Yeah. It's and it's an day. app and you can get it the same day. Shit. You can get DVDs, food, whatever. See? Austin. Austin, dude. Austin, dude. They've also got uh, Google Fiber. That's Ooh. right. Oh, Terabit internet. How is it? Is it fast? Oh. Haven't used it yet because I. it hasn't come to my neighborhood. It's taken a long time. Yeah. I think this year, they're finally going to do installs. Oh, shit. I'm going uh, like later going, this summer. going to Austin twice before the end of the year. So you're going to be at Fantastic Fest. I'm going to be at Fantastic Fest Boom. for sure. It's going to be a fucking blast. And then uh, I'm going to be at Fun 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 Fest. Uh, oh, cool. I've heard that's great. It's the fucking best festival, music festival in the country. Like it's like Venom's playing, and so is Wu Tang, and so Venom's playing. Venom's playing, yeah. They're only Shit. U.S. show, you know. Like the old straight edge hardcore band used to listen to Chain of Strength are playing, and like Dag Nasty, and then it's just like it's nonstop how fucking great that. It's really good. Is. I right. did it one year, and they had Weird Al. They brought Weird Al and Slayer. Weird Al, and Al did his entire stage show in yeah. costume changes and everything, and it was incredible. And Apples and Stereo played that year wow. too. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, like uh, I was watching uh, Nas do Illmatic in its entirety, and then walked over and watched King Diamond with his huge stage show. Jesus! And it was, and then I walked over to the other stage and watched uh, the rest of Modest Mouse. It was fucking fantastic. That is festival. awesome. No, yeah. Fantastic Fest is the, is the other. other it, was one. A fan, it was it was a fun 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 festival. It's a fun 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 festival. Yeah. Yeah, Austin's really festival horny. I mean, like I, I was there like there's five a lot. Years there's a there. there's a writing festival, like a, a screenwriter's Austin festival. City Limits. Austin City Limits. There's a television Southpine. festival. Really? They, they yeah. show new television shows yeah, and weird. like premiere episodes. God damn that city limits. There's also Austin Psych Fest. Yes, that's a great festival. I've always wanted to go. Does I always show up to, for it's in April, show I think. Like, Psych. Yes, it like, is. Don't see <laughs> they don't have to book anyone technically because <laughs> it's just all. I've loved having you on the podcast, Elijah Wood, and I hope uh, that thanks. you come back, and I hope I that we to. get to hang out more. And, uh, There's nothing better than shooting the shit about stuff we're into. And yep. God damn it. Go <laughs> yeah, yeah. See Cooties. <laughs> go, go, go see Cooties in the theater. If go you see can. it in the theater. I, yeah. I recommend no, theatrical I mean, Having seen experience. it uh, with my wife, we both said the same thing. It's like, it's like this is a, a movie that we want to see in the theater. And it's way more fun. And scares. And, mm-hmm. also, and spooks. And also, it just sort of gives back a little bit, because every time you support a movie like that, it puts more... 
uh, it puts kind of more stock into that type of filmmaking. Yep. And it means that an, another generation of people will continue to be able to make those That's because right. they're viable. Yeah. You, are, um, you are literally supporting it by – it's like casting a vote. Yeah. So, ca- so, ca- cast, so cast, cast a, a vote, vote for creativity and the <laughs> spirit of independent filmmaking. And you know what I think that people should bring back? Um, did you ever go to Cinespia? Yeah. So I was, talking to, I was talking to a journalist the other day about Cinespia, and like I've DJed there a bunch, which is super fun, by the way. Um, but that is something that sells out. Like 4,000 people show up to see an, a, a communal theatrical experience, right? They're watching something outside as a community. Like what if people brought back the drive-in? I feel like if people there brought a drive-in, drive-in theater nearby. and did it really well, oh, that, like, that oh, would redid it. So I'm saying oh. that's what I'm saying. So do like DCP and also 35 mil projector, like do the whole thing. Yeah. Show revival and new cinema. Have some killer food. Like really make that a comfortable environment. People would flock to that. Yeah, you know, they would. Uh, in you know, their car. Come on, yeah. in LA especially. Yeah, I mean, people, I just like, feel like I that have friends that go to the Santa Fe Springs. I think that's the closest I've one. Heard of it. And uh, I know people that go, but it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, nothing's been updated. It's kind of rinky-dink. The sound isn't good. But if you but ma- imagine like you if said, you just like updated all that to yeah. where it, it met modern standards. Because people have good speaker systems in their car exactly. now. Yeah. Or, or it'd be great if it were like if, if, if you could get a Bluetooth feed and you could just get like a yeah. just like a little jawbone thing and throw it, you know, like throw it in there. Yeah. And then just have a like a really great speaker. Yeah. Because like ever since I moved to Highland Park, it's just it's just a slug to get it's, there. It depends on the traffic. It can be like yeah. 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you've pussy. got no traffic. <laughs> it's tough. But it ha- Mr. Wood says it's not far away. I was going to be here. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Wood. With, with his flying car, sure, he can make it in 25 <laughs> minutes. I got to crank yeah, my car. Future, the day the, the skies rained metal <laughs> would be the, you know what the future tribal like, people <laughs> would say after that apocalypse happened. Our future is going to be – because like the future we grew up thinking we, we would have, I think the reality of our future is going to be very unsexy, which is basically – all of our cars will be self-driven, and we are just going to be fucking passengers. Just on the and there will be no traffic because everything's going to be timed out perfectly. Yeah. But like, it'll be this weird passive experience. No, there'll like, be a lot of car wrecks because sounds... our cars will be busy texting. Like everyone's going. <laughs> it be. sounds kind of awesome in a way, yeah. but like not the whole notion of being on the road is the autonomy and the freedom of it. I yeah. think there, and there there might be open roads where it's like, oh, you can go free, free driving roads. Free driving roads. Let's get yeah. on them free driving roads. Yeah. 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 What are you doing this weekend? Going to Victorville to do some free riding? Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> hey, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, that's great. I mean, I, I've been you know I've been waiting for the Johnny Cab since Total Recall. I've been waiting, waiting yeah. for it, yeah. but I just don't know. I just don't know if they can. Uh, I mean, can you can you imagine being in a self-driving car and then there's a glitch and you're basically there's nothing that's the you can, that's so terrifying. Yeah. You can do there about it. There was a great scene in uh, the first season of Silicon Valley where Zach Woods' character gets into one of the self-driving oh yeah yeah, cars yeah and it, it just takes him to the. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were two hackers that recently hijacked a car. Really? Yeah, they did it. They did it to a car that one of them was also driving, so the, it was a controlled experience. They didn't do it to like a, a, oh. a citizen, a regular Shit. person. But they hijacked, uh, they hacked into the the computer system of the car and drove it remotely. That's and yeah. they recalled the car because of what they were able to do with oh, it. Oh fuck! How well, crazy good. is That's that? Fucking, yeah, they yeah, were able so. to turn off the brakes. We're gonna, you're gonna, we're gonna be the, we're gonna be the old people someday. They're like, if I'm not that, driving it, that's, that's it's a not really. Notion. Yeah, that's well, it's like that scene in uh, Demolition Man where he's like, he's trying to get the self drive on. He's like, self drive, self drive, because he yeah. kept on trying to shut down, and then he punches the steering wheel, and it comes big. Yep. Yeah. 
I remember. I remember I Demolition really Man. I love Demolition Man. It's, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, it's great. What's well, with the seashells? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how every restaurant's uh, Taco Bell. Yep. Oh, yeah. During the fast food wars. Yeah. That was like, that was the result. I love that movie so much. And it's then he's so going to show her how to do sex old school style. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they don't. They don't have sex. Like they don't they, have sex because they eliminated they all like, disease. It was put like their hands up, or was it the cone? No, that was cone heads where they have like little things they put on the. Yeah, that right. was cone heads. That was Chris Farley. Yeah. yeah. All right. Demolition. It was a real. It was funny. If well, I watched it, it was on TV that was the other day. Hard R too. That yeah, movie. For something is like cone heads. Yeah, cone heads. Cone heads was a hard R. Yeah, it was it was a lot of lot of violence. In a lot it of violence. A lot of lot of swearing. Yeah. Wesley Snipes was crazy with his crazy. green hair. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. So I'm a young Phoenix. Sandy, young Sandy Bullock. Phoenix. Young Sandy Bullock. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. A young Benjamin Bratt taught us how to laugh. A little Robbie Schneider. Oh, that no, no. He was yeah. Judge Dredd. No, he was in a. That was that was their. I thought he was in Judge Dredd. I thought Rob he Schneider was, was in Judge Dredd, Dredd, but he was also in Demolition Man. It, they were trying to do like a Tom oh, Hanks Meg Ryan thing right. with him and a... Tom Hanks Meg Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle too. Yeah. Uh, I'll meet you under the space needle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think the two of them, S- Sylvester Stallone and Rob Schneider, should remake um, Silver Streak. I think uh, that'd be a good remake for them. I mean, that'd be a strange one. Yeah, you think that? Especially when uh, when they recreate uh, Gene Wilder's character coming out in blackface. I'm not really sure. Oh, that's right. that, that would really fly. Yeah, that would so well. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did it. We did it. This was the podcast. Elijah. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. This was a fun one. This was really fun. Episode number... Seven... I'm telling you, you're, you're... Over 700 episodes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all like 750... No, seven... Oh, right, because you do three a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, man... You, you're 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 kind of one of us. You got to come in, and you are. You're one of us. You got to come in and just hang out whenever you want. To. Just I'd love drop to. in. You don't even announce. Just walk in the room. I'm here. Yeah. Good. Try and you scare said us. I could come by. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Keep your promises. Oh, dude, I'd love that. That'd be All awesome. Right. Good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> is that a Ring of Power ring? No, 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 no. That is. Uh, it's Hebrew. Oh. I couldn't read it from over there. Okay. If not now, when in Hebrew. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a... I fucking love that saying. That is a good? great yeah, saying. I, a I love it. Yeah. Good words oh, to live by. Fantastic. Oh. This is a beautiful ring. Thank you. Y'all, that was yeah. really fun. That was a good time. Enjoy your burrito. Mm-mm. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop Popcorn. Imagine this, perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels, a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.